My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a Domino podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And for five years, we have brought you the very best of the network, but it's time for a change. Now, we don't just confine ourselves to Vinnie Mac, bring you AEW, Impact, NJPW, and all the latest for the British wrestling scene. But we will still bring you all our old favourites, including NXT Update, Takeovers and live shows for the Big Four. This year we will decide who is the greatest British wrestler in the world, plus so much more. But until we watch everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the Dubbin R 260, it's the British Special slash TLC 2019. Before we start, let's do the alternate intro, there's nothing more British than this song. And Dan has told me to sing it in the style, a la Elton John. A la Elton John. And it seems to me, you lived your life like a candle in the wind. Never knowing who to cling to when I ran. And I would have liked to know you, but I was just a kid. Your candle burned out long before your legend ever did. Right, to me, that sounds like you doing an impression of Jack Black doing an impression of Elton John. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Cock push-ups. But now, the intro... On this very special episode, we review the TLC event with, of course, Prince. But before we do that, we at the WNR are going to concentrate on British wrestling. Yeah, for the past five years, we've brought you the best on the network. But we always seem to ask ourselves, who will be the first ever British heavyweight champion? But then we realise holding the top title for Vinnie Mac might not be all it seems. So we asked ourselves another one. Who is the best British wrestler on the planet? Well, in the next 12 months, we'll be keeping a very close eye on these great talents and trying to work out who is number one. Right now, we unveil the contenders, or as we dub them, the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, so the Magnificent Seven. And up first, from NXT, the longest reigning champion of the last decade, done. From NXT to WWE and over to AEW, this man is one of the very best on the planet, Pac, or as we know him, Neville. Next up, my favourite wrestling, surely. Don't call me Shirley. The only hope for a British-born WWE champion, Drew McIntyre. Well, NXT UK started strong but hasn't really had the impact needed. One man who in recent times has been carrying the brand on his back, Tyler Bate. Yeah, so, so far done, McIntyre, packed. Are you happy with those four so far when we look at great British talent? I am, yeah. You know, they are, they're all... Very different, but great in their own rights. I mean, you know, that their styles are so different, and a fatal four-way match between these four guys would just be of epic proportions. That would be absolutely awesome. But obviously, we know WWE guys. So for the next three of our Magnificent Seven, we'll go into more detail for anyone not sure about them. But let us explain. Well, yes, we've got... That's a girl's name! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we should explain when we went to the live event to see... Party Mike. I mean, he was there at 
probably half a dozen that we saw constant. Yeah. But there was one fan one particular night there, wasn't there? There was, yes. And any wrestler that had the name shouted out or said, and it would be followed by, that's a girl's name. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's just stuck with us, like kick out. Uh, and two. Two. And so many, many others. But we've had the pleasure of watching Marty Skull many times for Rev Pro. But the man has changed somewhat since then, getting more serious and turning into the villain. Well, not signed with a big two. Two. He's made a name for himself in Ring of Honor and other places as being one of the most skilled and sought-after wrestlers on the planet. Well, let's see him in action. So we go to Ring of Honor TV, and we're going to go back to November 10th, 2019, in New Orleans, uh, LA, at Uno Lakefront Arena. This aired on ringofhonorwrestling.com. And we get the opening theme to start off the show. Yes, and then we get a recap of Marty School defeating James's favourite wrestler, Colt Cabana, and PCO. Defeating Kenny King at Death Before Dishonor in the world title number one contender tournament. We get a recap of Dalton Castle defeating Mark Haskins and Jay Lethal defeating PJ Black at Death Before Dishonor Fallout in the same tournament. We get highlights of Mighty Skull defeating Jay Lethal in the tournament semi final match at the show as well. Lethal tapped to the chicken wing in 11 minutes 31. Highlights of PCO defeating Dalton Castle in the other semi final match also at GBH. A PCO Salt gave the monster win. The win at 12.24. And then PCO and Skull entered separately for the tournament finals. Skull addressed PCO and said they knew an all-villain final was inevitable. He didn't want this to come between them, though. He's just there, not break the rules, and let the best man win. PCO shook on it, then Skull crept him across the side of the head with his umbrella. <laughs> That's villainous. So it's a Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Champion, the villain Marty Skull versus Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Champion PCO. For the Ring of Honor World Championship number one contender tournament finals. That's a short name. Isn't yeah, it? big mouthful. But this is, of course, available to all the UK fans uh, on your Skybox, of course, on the Fight Network Showcase 192. And uh, just for Mike Scott, anybody who's never seen him for Dan, how would you explain to anybody, you know, who, who's never seen this guy in action? Um, I don't know. He's, in my opinion, I think he looks American. Yes. <laughs> That's 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 the catcher, you see. That's why he's on the seven. That's why he's on the British wrestler, yeah. Um, but no, you know, he he looks like an American wrestler. I think he acts slightly like an American wrestler, but I don't know if that's hanging around with the the villain club because he was part of the Bullet Club as well. You know, when uh, um, Cody Rhodes and the Elite was about. So you know, it was uh, I, I was assuring fire for him to be joining. You know, Cody and that at AEW very soon. But he seems to be kind of like saying, well, you know, I'm not going to ride on the coach strings of them. I'm going to make my own name, which I think is great for Marty Skrull. Yeah, I think without a doubt, you know. And what we've seen, you know, you talk about the kind of style. It's definitely a, a technical style to bring. And like the party Marty was kind of like this kind of guy who went out likeable. Whereas this one's kind of definitely turned more into a villain. And kind of compared to maybe like a Batman villain in that way of what he sees himself. And the kind of character definitely works for him. And uh, it's very surprising that we haven't seen him in AEW or elsewhere. But he's in the Ring of Honor, and he's just hit PCO with the um, umbrella goes for the cover, but he managed to kick out. Ah, but Marty seems it as his uh, opportunity to get off the barrel quickly. Kick to the head of PCO, and PCO looks like a monster, but he looks really old as well. He is really old. He used to be part of the Quebecers in the WWF back in the early 90s. So th- this is a guy who's had a kind of a career renaissance so to speak, and uh, in the independent scene, Ring of Honor has signed him. Uh, we've had a lot of, you know, negatives about Ring of Honor recently with the kind of way they treat talent uh, and, and other things as well. But 
we're going to check out the action here and see if it's actually worthwhile. It's good that Ring of Honor is actually available as finally Mike Skull gets taken down. PCO, he's got a Chris Jericho look about him, you know, where he's like slightly old and slightly overweight. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike, Mike Skull's in uh, fantastic condition as we come back from the break. PCO's on the top rope. Looks like Skull's caught him. Flips him over. Nice slam. Goes for the cover, but still not enough to get the big man down. And we're going to see this with all the people uh, on this list as well. Magnificent Seven, you talk about British style. If you think about it to be said, even with these seven guys, even they're completely different from each other, you can still see the kind of, there's always a story to, to what they do as well. And Absolutely. You, yeah, you know, there's, uh, they certainly are good workers and they, you know, they kind of go back to their roots as well at times, you know, with the British style wrestling, but they've got so many variations of it because, you know, British wrestling isn't just one style of wrestling, you know, like what you'd think William Regal does. There's loads of different elements to it now. Well, this is the thing, we talk about joint manipulation as well, but even that skull just stomping on the hands is going to cause a PCO some discomfort. And even to start of the match with the umbrella, you know, the villain's definitely a villain himself. Well, yeah, he went to get a, a low five from a fan and moved his hand out of the way and just flipped him the bird instead, which is, you know, very villainous. Oh, without a doubt, you know, and uh, this is what Mike Skull definitely brings. He's definitely got an attitude to back it up as well. And he had advantage in the early going. And now Mike Skull's smirking. No, James hasn't got a scratch in his gob. He's got a smile on his face because since before the opening bell, he has had the upper hand. I'm talking of upper hands. He's uh, bending it backwards, just like Pete Dunn would do, and stomping on the elbow. So, you know, he's kind of been watching other great British wrestlers in our list. Now, this is the thing, they're, they're brought up with this, aren't they? You know, this is the style that they come from. So every kind of, uh, every British wrestler has kind of got these skill set to him, you know, uh, and I think definitely with these seven guys, there's something to be said about that. It's, you know, something you could call very similar to every Canadian wrestler going through the Stu Hart dungeon. Every British wrestler goes through the joint manipulation dungeon. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, yeah. And that's the kind of, you have to kind of work on your ground game first and actually be a good wrestler before you can start doing anything. Yeah, you know, you talk about high-risk wrestlers. We'll get on to that with British wrestlers in a little bit. But Mike Skull's a guy. He because his game plan's usually spot on. But again, you know, and so far in these, in this list, you haven't got a lot of high-risk takers. I mean, aside from Pack who does that, you know, no one else really uses the top rope that often. Yeah, it would be hard to define them as British as well, because when you talk about how different their styles actually are, and Mike Skull might be in a little bit of trouble now, because he just got hit with a spear, and now the choke slam. And now PCO, quite slowly, is going up top. <laughs> he's taking his leisurely time, isn't he? I mean, he's obviously been to the Sid Vicious uh, <laughs> School of Wrestling, as he hits a senton bomb. Well, that was nice, though. He's going to go for the cover, but will it keep Mike Skull down? No. Party Marty managing to kick out. That's a girl's name. Oh. And that referee is largely obese. Well, it gives me hope. If I look at a referee in the business and say, well, the Ring of Honor guy is, you know, looks like he's eating two trends. You know, this is a case, as now looks like PCO going for chokeslam, but Skull grabs a hand, which he worked on earlier, which yeah. comes back and to it. Bending the fingers part, and again, like Pete Dunwood, <laughs> just separating the fingers. And it's what the villain is all about. He's going to try and build some momentum now. Oh, PCO barely getting a foot up to the ribs. Skull's definitely doing the work in this match here. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, again, that is a good showcase of his talents if he's able to carry a, a wrestler who's kind of wrestled throughout the 90s early 90s and you know he's kind of that set in his ways 
And Skull now getting caught on the apron. No, managed to avoid it. He's got a little bit, um, I want to say sloppy, but a little bit of a brawl now on the outside. Let's not forget these two guys hold the six-man tag team titles together. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, to be fair, I don't watch a lot of Ring of Honor, so I have no idea what those championships actually entails, but it's good to see Mark well, Skull. Well, you know, just... I would presume they're like tag teams, yeah. but with an extra person. That you know, that would actually work in a way. And then six man yeah. is like the whole three. It's on weird three. they call six man, not three man tag team title. It is, isn't it? Yeah, because tag teams are but, tag two, aren't they? But tag could be more than tag. I suppose it's a so. team of taggers. Well, you know who invented uh, tag team wrestling, don't you? Who? Well, the British. I'm saying <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And uh, well, the British uh, export Mark Skull might be in trouble here as PCO goes up to the top. But Skull goes to cut him off. High risk, high reward. Oh my god, now Skull's got him. Throws PCO through a table. Jesus. And a huge impact to the outside. And the referee's uh, being liberal with the count. We go to an advert and then we're back. Both men in the ring. Looks like Skull's going to try and finish it off now. No, he's signalling for the end. He's looking for the chicken wing. So now PCO backs him up into the ref. Oh, the French Canadian slam, but the referee's been knocked down. Well, the referee can just roll into position here. That would be a lot easier for him. But here comes Brody King. Not Brody King. The Brody King. Big boot to the face of PCO. Throws him against the ropes. And a boss man slam. Telling Party Marty to get the pin. One, two, no. PCO managing to kick out. Uh, well, the referee obviously saw him getting out the ring there, so... He's not going to question it. Now the big man, Brody's back on the apron. Oh, we're going to see a classic one here. PCO caught. Oh. No, Marty accidentally catching the man who's helping him out. Sidewalk slam. Not a cover for PCO, though. He's not done there. Now PCO looks to go up. Putting an end to party. Marty. So no, Marty catches him. Crutches him on the top rope. Has PCO got like, really big shoulder pads in that jacket? He <laughs> looks like massive. I don't know if it's extra protection. He looks like Uncle Fester. And he's taken... Oh. And again, the referee gets bumped. What's he doing standing so close behind wrestlers? Oh, PCO came off the turnbuckle to go back up again. Well, he rolled backwards, landed on his feet to slowly climb up top again. He's struggling. He's been through a lot. A kinder surprise to the side of the skull. The belt's been slid in. And there you go. Well, six-man title to the face. Marty looking to retain. Goes for the cover. One, One two. two. No. no. PCO managing to, get, managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. Well, Marty Skull's partners can't believe it. Well, PCO is part of the villain enterprises. So I wonder if this is going to uh, cause friction between these two. And they're going to close line. <laughs> and PCO taking out the two guys helping Marty out. Now there's a big suicide dive. Gets back in and Marty trying to put him away. Choke bomb. Well, he was uh, slammed down. Not pretty, but effective. I'll, I'll tell you what. If PCO actually was quicker going up the turnbuckle, because he wouldn't be caught half the fucking time. Yeah. But he's going up. Well, I think wearing a jacket doesn't help. Oh! And the moonsault goes for the cover of Marty. Who manages to kick out. Oh! Well, uh, Big Man weighs at least 300 pounds. At least 400 pounds. And he came crashing down on a party mine. It hurt inside. Well, there's nothing to the referee. It weighs at least 500 pounds. And at least Yokozuna. And PC, PCO's now looking to put Marty away. And a dueling chance now from these two men. And now with Marty strewn across the apron, he's going to look up. To go up. Go for the cannonball. Oh! 
Oh my God! No, Marty moves out of the way. PCO hits the his spine on the edge of the ring apron. The hardest part of the ring has for the metal upright, so and now can Scale take advantage? When he rolls outside, looking to throw PCO to try and finish this. Now here comes Skull with a clothesline. That was a clothesline from hell. One, two. No. Two. And I still don't know how, but PCO managed to kick out. Ah. Oh, Marty looking for another lariat. Gets caught with one from PCO, though. And he's going up yet again. To slowly climb up to the corner. And he hit it last time. Now he's going to go again. Hit it again. Another one, PCO salt. Three. And Party Marty, Marty Scale, the villain, loses in this one. But, Dan, what do you think of the match? And, more importantly, Marty Scale's performance. Well, I think with Marty Scale, he managed to carry the match. You know, he's... I think he made PCO look a lot better than he actually was. Which, again, you know, that is another side of talent you have to bring from a wrestler. You know, it's all well and good having a good match with someone who can. But giving someone else the ability to have a good match is, you know, I think that is kind of... Lifts you up a lot more. Without doubt, I think it shows you very, you know, important things. He likes to talk about Marty Skull as just a wrestler himself and a kind of professional as well. He knows his contract's running, you know, he's, he's expired with Ring of Honor, and yet he's more than happy to put people over because that's how you do business, and and that's what makes a true professional. So we just seen him in action. So let's go on to a little bit of news about Party Marty, and mm. he is in earlock to join AEW's contract with Ring of Honor coming up shortly. Uh, the villain was a staple of Being the Elite web show that launched the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody and Hangman Page to superstardom. But he has been handcuffed by his deal with Ring of Honor, unable to join his friends in All Elite Wrestling. And give AEW another star whom to build high-profile stories with. Oh, well, Skrull is a virtuoso performer who can be serious, dangerous and a joint-manipulating badass or a comedic genius, turning either personality on and off depending on the scenario. And he will be available asset to AEW if and when he makes the jump. However, Ring of Honor announced today that Skrull will be appearing in the final battle on December 13th, 2019. He is set to team with Flip Gordon and will wrestle Bandido and Flamita. Well, at the very least, this means he's agreed to appear for the one more show after his contract runs out. And now we might know why he was never given the Ring of Honor title. Well, Joey Mercury says Marty Skrull didn't get a world title run because management were afraid he would leave. Yeah, I mean, former producer Joey Mercury released another set of messages between himself and GM Greg Gilland, where Mercury pushed for villain enterprises member Marty Skrull to win the world title at last April's joint NJPW event, G1 Supercar for Madison Square Garden, a match that was won by an interest of fans. Well, Mercury's messages revealed that Gilliland and management believed that Tavern was a safer choice since they knew he would stay. Despite Skrull being the most popular talent, Gillian later admits they couldn't get Tavern over and they made a mistake attempting to bring in Enzo and Big Cass for their shoot film. But at least they admitted it was uh, a big mistake. You know, and finally Mercury shares a message that star Flip Gordon who questioned why Ring of Honor was on such large venues when ticket sales were so low. And yeah, it's a problem over in Ring of Honor, but it looks like Mike Skrull pretty soon will be out of there and somewhere else. Well, he does seem favourite to be joining All Elite, but you never know, you know. He might think, well, I've managed to make a big name for myself without being in the shadows of Cody. You know, I don't want to be having to be in the shadows because he will be in the background. Yeah, that's true. With Cody, you know, he'll be like a Dustin Reynolds over there. 
But we will be looking at uh, Marty Skull and see what choices he makes in 2020 as well. But we move on to number six on our Magnificent Seven list. Yes, and uh, that is Zack Sabre Jr. or ZSJ. And seen in his time as James's pick at the CWC, Zack Sabre Jr. decided against signing a WWE contract and went back to work for MJPW and Rev Pro. Yeah, we've seen this man in action, like I say, of the CWC. But uh, I think he made a good decision because in February 2018, Sabre was announced one of the competitors in the New Japan Cup. He defeated uh, Tetsuya Naito in the first round, Kota Ibushi in the second round, and Sanada in the semifinals on the way to the final. And then on the 21st of March, he defeated Tanashi in the final, becoming the second Gajin, or non-Japanese wrestler, to win the tournament after Giant Bernard in 2006. Giant Bernard, of course, Albert. So when you think Zack Sabre Jr. and Albert have won the same trophy... (laughs) That does sound quite funny, but is that when he he came back to WWE as Tensai? Tensai, yeah, yeah, and then it just did not work for him, but, you know. Then sweet... But it worked for Zack Sabre Jr., who won the Super New Japan Cup. Yeah, well, after the match, he challenged IWGP heavyweight champion Okada for a title shot at Sakura Genesis, coming up short in the cracker of a match. Okada defeated Sabre to retain the title. Yeah, he competed in the 2018 G1 Climax, where he finished with 12 points, failing to advance due to his losses against Kenny Omega to Ibushi. At Wrestle Kingdom 13, he defeated... Tommy Hero Ishii to regain the British Heavyweight Championship. On March, on March 2019, Sabre entered the 2019 New Japan Cup, defeating even in the first round, Kota Ibushi in the second round, but losing to Hiroshi Tanahashi in the quarterfinals. At the G1 Supercard, Sabre defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi to retain the RPW British Heavyweight Championship. And Sabre was announced as a participant of the 2019 G1 Climax. Where Sabre lost to British Heavyweight Champion Tanahashi. And at Destruction in Beppu, Sabre tapped Tanashi out to regain the RPW British Heavyweight Championship for the fourth time. So since he's not Simon WWE, he's been very successful in Japan. And, of course, Rev Pros, we know him quite well, who have, have actually grown. One of the few British promotions, we're going to that a little bit, that have actually grown recently. Um, Zack Sabre Jr., would, how would you explain him as a, a, as a very, very technical wrestler in the world? Um, yeah, he's um, fiercely talented. I think his time in NJPW has kind of helped bring that out of him as well for the past few years. He's gone against the best Japanese wrestlers you can imagine and he's kind of gone toe-to-toe with them and that is not something that many people can say they can do. Yeah, well, especially how easy it would have been to sign a contract with WWE back then and to just be a part of the cruiserweight division as it is now. No offence to someone like Gentleman Jack Gallagher, not really talked about, but there is someone there who had a certain set of skills but decided to, to stay with WWE and Zack Sabre Jr. has kind of gone on from there and is having a really successful time at this moment, you know? We'll move on to a bit of... Zack Sabre Jr. news, and there's a classic WF arcade wrestling game, is getting a surprisingly official sequel. Well, if you haven't heard of Retromania Wrestling yet, perhaps this will get your attention. It is now officially the sequel to the 1991 arcade game WWF WrestleFest. Well, let's back this up a little bit as licenses are involved, and Retromania Wrestling is not affiliated with the WWE. Still, WrestleFest remains an intellectual property owned by the famed fighting games events at Arc System Works having acquired it from the original publishers, Technos of Japan. And now they're licensed it to Retrosoft Studios, which started development of Retromania Wrestling last year, calling it a successor to the 91 Cabinet Classic. Well, now it's canonically, it is an actual sequel. Well, WWF WrestleFest had a lineup of 12 real-life WWF fighters. Retromania's rosters 
we'll have Nick Aldis, Tommy Dreamer, Johnny Retro, as in John Hennigan, who's Johnny Nitro, Johnny Mercury, no, that's Joey Mercury, Johnny Impact. Yeah, Johnny Mercury, yeah, Mojo, Mojo Morrison, yeah, all of them. Uh, yeah, all of them, but the same character. Zack Sabre Jr., that's James, it, yeah. oh, James' favourite, Colt Cabana, Austin Idol, The Blue Meanie, Stevie Richards, and Hollywood Over, all of whom had run in ECW and WWE more than a decade ago. Retromania also features Road Warrior Hulk and Road Warrior Animal, the NWA tag team that moved to the WWF in the early 90s and were a boss stage adversary in the original game. Retro Soft is eyeball on an early 2020 launch for the Retromania Wrestling on PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One and Windows PC. But he's not just in a game, he's featured in a new ad for Peter UK. Well, the advertisement for Powered by Plants, and in an accompanying video he talks about making a decision to change his lifestyle in 2015. I just felt so much more energised, the 32-year-old wrestler says in the video. Just eating plants, whole foods, you know, full of water, minerals, vitamins. You just feel good. Zach also explains that his ring jacket, shin guards and shoes are all vegan, and says it's because there's no reason to be wearing clothes that have come at the expense of tortured animals yes james so i suggest you take your uh calfskin gloves off and your your mink coat yes well it's weird because tyler Bate is also vegan as well so there's two decisions that these two guys have made but there is one man left on this list to back us out and uh, you could argue this guy over the past 12 months to two years has probably been one of the most consistent professional wrestlers on the planet let alone british number seven dan well james his name makes me think of Ricochet, <laughs> but his name is actually Willow. Well, uh, oh, go on. Uh, one of the most outspoken wrestlers. He's gotten into it with Rollins earlier in the year, but 2019 has been a great one for the aerial assassin. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, he participated in the 2019 edition of the Best of the Super Juniors, where he won his block with a record of 7-2, advancing to the final. On June the 5th, Osprey defeated Shingo Takagi, to win the tournament for the second time, earning an IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champ Dominion. The match between Osprey and Shingo was awarded a fighting by some twat named Dave fucking Melthead of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the highest rating for a wrestling match in 2019. Yeah, this is not featured Kenny Omega. <laughs> yeah, well, this was also the first match in which. Uh... Tagagi was pinned after his debut in NJPW. At Dominion, Osprey defeated Dragon Lee and became the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion for the third time in his career. With this wrestling match being awarded another five and a half stars by Meltzer and Alvarez, just that with his career where he's a serious contender for being the best wrestler in the world. After winning the title, Osprey announced his intention to enter the G1 Climax 29 in his quest of bridging the gap between heavyweight and junior heavyweight wrestlers. Later that week, Osprey was announced as a participant in the 2019 G1 Climax. Osprey made his first IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship to title against uh, title defense against Robbie Eagles at Southern Showdown in Melbourne. So he's been wrestling in Australia. He's in Japan, of course. He comes to Britain. He started the G1 Climax campaign in Dallas between the second and the third rounds. He suffered a legit injury that almost made him unable to participate further in the climax. But nevertheless, he managed to get cleared in a very short amount of time. He faced the lead of Chaos, Kajuki Akad, in the main event of Night 7 of the G1 Climax, yet lost in another well-received match. Well, we've got a bit of news on him as well. Over the last couple of years, UK native Will Ospreay has been spending much of his time wrestling in APW, 
where he is currently the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Scattered within his schedule has been the occasional show in Australia and the UK, such as matching April 2019 against Ray Fenix at Fight Club Pro, uh, tagging Wolverhampton. According to Twatty sources, however, this is set to change as the UK wrestling scene is reportedly struggling with Osprey set to increase his workload with Rev Pro. Yeah, he said that they gave him so much help when he started, he wants to help rebuild the UK wrestling scene. For the avoidance of doubt, here's what Meltzer pet. In connection with that and with the UK scene being down across the board to where even to where WWE even struggled to draw in hole for TV tapings, Will Ospreay said he now wants to return. Ospreay had pretty much focused on New Japan and Australia in recent years and done less than that, except for New Japan and Europe. A few shows but not regularly working. He's now living full-time in Japan, something very few guys, pretty much Osprey, Juice Robinson, and before that, Dick Bayer had done. Actually, more women did like Terry Power, Reggie Bennett, Medusa, Debbie Malenko in the 90s. Anyway, he's said he now wants to work for RevPro between New Japan tours, saying that RevPro gave him so much help when he started, and he wants to help rebuild the... So we might see Will Ospreay in uh, Britain a little bit more for, but for an, a very special treat now. I mean, we talk about the kind of magnificent seven list that we, what we've got. We're going to go on to that and uh, we just talk about the seven that we've got and it's weird because of different promotions as well. So, of course, we've got Pete Dunn from NXT. We've got Pac from AEW. We've got Drew McIntyre, of course, WWE. Bate in NXT UK. Mike Skull, Ring of Honor at this moment in time. Zack Sabre Jr., Rev Pro. And, of course, Will Ospreay in NJPW. And uh, Rev Pro. And Rev Pro now will be moving across. And, of course, the following will be progressively seven throughout the next year because Zack Sabre Jr. has been in um, the IWGP Tag Team Tournament as well that they have the tag team titles. And could we going to get on to honourable mentions in a minute? And, of course, you know, we talk about kind of the, the legends that we had in the sport. Uh, the winner of the, the final stands was actually Juice Robinson and David Finlay. And anybody that doesn't know David Finlay is actually Fit Finlay's um, his son. So they're actually... Hornswoggle. No, Hornswoggle, not actually Hornswoggle. But David Finlay, uh, still quite a young guy at this, this moment in time, you know, 26, 27 and maybe he'll be featured on a list that we do in another couple of years. He's in Japan. He's going to have a very big night at Wrestle Kingdom. And, of course, we're going to get to Wrestle Kingdom a little bit more because um, Will Ospreay will be in action there. And, of course, Zack Sabre Jr. as well. But another honourable mention, I think we've got to say, is Nick Aldis. Yeah, or you might know him as Magnus, the former British gladiator turned wrestler, has won the TNA slash Impact Heavyweight title and is a two-time NWA world champ. So we'll be keeping, like I say, a very close side. But if you look at that seven now, who would you say would be best on that list of Magnificent Seven? Who would be number one on your list? I don't want any other order, just number one. Pete Dunn. I would say Pete Dunn as well at this moment in time. And I, I would also say Will Ospreay would be a good shout. So thanks to the, the, the magic of YouTube, we have got a match that we're going to watch now for the very first time on the WNL podcast a Will Ospreay match, and he will be going one-on-one against Pete Dunne, who at the time was the NXT UK champion. And this should be a real treat here on the podcast. Absolutely, yes, as he uh, gives a wanker sign to members in the crowd and gives them the bird as well. And Pete Dunne getting the Will Ospreay's face, and the bruise weight will not be intimidated. This is from the TNT Summer Explosion Extreme wrestling. So no one's ever seen Will Ospreay before. Uh, we talk about kind of high flies on the nation. They talk about Pac. He is a guy that can 
basically, when you say Ricochet, we saw Ricochet versus Will Ospreay uh, in a match in England, and Ospreay matched Ricochet move for move. I think that would be fair to say. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, he's locking up with Pete Dunne, who's trying to remove the cat's ears Will Ospreay's bearing. I mean, he's known as the aerial assassin as well. Yeah, I mean, there is not a lot Will Ospreay can't do. And I think Ricochet would be probably a guy that he compare it to the most. And that's what's so different. You know, someone like Pete Dunne and Will Ospreay, two guys who are completely different. And at the moment, they've started off, and this is pure British wrestling. And Will Ospreay puts the cat's ears back on, grabs hold of the wrist, and now Dunne's going to try and find a way out of it. <laughs> and just shoves him down, knocking his cat's ears off. Well, just easy by Dunne and grabs the foot. They're not starting fast. They're working their way into this match, which is nice. You know, you like a nice slow build because, you know, if everything's always fast-paced, I think you miss stuff. But this, it's, you know, just a showcase of the talent, trying to humiliate the other person and so on and so forth. And that's what Dunn is so good at, you know, especially if you look at his NXT UK title reign and what he did. And this is one of the few matches where, you know, he was working when he wasn't on TV and you call him the hardest-working champion. I'm going to get someone like Will Ospreay. And the way he's just twisting him up now like a pretzel... But Will Ospreay just getting one finger. And what is the referee? Oh, there you go. That's why. He wants Dunn to get him. We're going to get a face off with the cat's ears. But Will Ospreay quick like a cat. And you talk about but Will Ospreay can play mind games as well. There's no doubt about that. What you don't want to do, go into a match and you think he's not taking it seriously. And that's all he's doing at the moment. And he's having a bit of a talking match to one of the fans. <laughs> Will Ospreay having a word to Dunn, going over and saying you're number one. And it is the kind of thing you get in independent wrestling, British wrestling, that you don't get in WWE. The kind of the fans, because you're kind of so close, and the involvement involved as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, there's a lot more fan interaction. I mean, you know, some of the independent wrestling scenes, especially at Rev Pro, they've kind of got their tables set up beyond where the fans are sitting. You know, there's only what a couple of hundred at most yeah, exactly, spectators, yeah, yeah. and it, you know, it just feels a bit more personal. You get a little bit of time, whereas you know, if you're going to a WWE side and you're literally in there, you have got to pay about fifty quid just for someone to sign a bit of merchandise, quickly take a picture, and they're kind of ushering you out. Whereas, you know, in the independent scene, you get to have a, a, a brief conversation with them, you know, and you can have a chat and actually interact with you. Yeah, it's a lot more intimate as well, like I say, as the cats is, have come off Pete Dunne, took them off of uh, Will Ospreay, trying to put them on the referee's head, didn't work. I think the cats is are kind of taking a bit too much away from the match. <laughs> I mean, here we have two of probably what we could class as the best British wrestlers on the planet. And they're kind of focusing it around a pair of cat ears. But it's good that they can, for me, it, well, they can uh, focus on a bit of human show. They've got different, you know, it's not all just about fantastic wrestling, which these do make a difference. is that ring absolutely fucking tiny? It looks like it fits probably about three wrestlers in, but it's not stopping Will Ospreay. And that is what he can do. You know, cat's ears come off, all of a sudden they nip up, the Hurricanrana, and then the uh, flip the ropes. And like you said, it's not a WWE ring. It's a shitty ring. You know, this is awful put together. And Will Ospreay can still flip around and perform to the best of his abilities in it. And now, show what he can do. Spin him around, but Will Ospreay lands on his feet. <laughs> he flicks the cat's ears over to him, and he catches them one hand and just puts them on back into his cat pose. Cat-like reflexes. Dunn goes for the clothesline. And the cat claws... To the chest of Pete Dunne, now to the face. Ospreay <laughs> is uh, the first kind of wrestler act like a cat that I've seen. That's up to and including the cat. Yeah, Miss Kitty. Kitty would be, yeah. You never really see guys. Not there's anything wrong with that, of course, if Will Ospreay's happy doing it. <laughs> Pete Dunne is a little bit um, confused at this moment in time. Will Ospreay catching him with a big boot. 
Uh, Pete Dunne showing that what he's capable of, just like leaning backwards in a Bray Wyatt-like manoeuvre on his head. And just about a bridge out there, just shows you the power in the neck muscles as well. And Will Ospreay... Scratching the chest of Pete Dunne. And he realises Dunne is, you know, definitely got the weight size on him. Will Ospreay's going to have to use his speed as he flicks outside on the apron. But Pete Dunne slides under the bottom rope, drags the legs out and just turns him inside out on the edge of the ring apron. Now the exploder... And done just like that, it's turned momentum. But sends us spraying to Pete Dunn. I think these two are in cahoots. There's a lot of shenanigans going on. That's good, guys. Saying no, you're actually not one of the. You're not of a wrestler. Well, I suppose saying the guy's got talent though. Is that a glory? McIntyre, I think. Well, he wanted the two sweet and he avoided it. And now we'll spray bring the crew back with him. Might have given Dunn a little bit of time to recover. Yeah. A DDT as Osprey was trying to get his way back into the ring. And that's what you got to love about Pete Dunne, especially when, like I said, he was the NXT UK champion, took every advantage that he could. And now this is classic Dunne, just got the hand. We know this is going with a finger. But then the middle finger back. Joint manipulation now. And that could have broken the finger with a spray. <laughs> Look at his face, tremendous pain. Well, he just had to relocate his finger after Dunne dislocated it. Spray trying to fight back, but Pete cuts him off with a knee to the midsection. Well, Dunn blocked the super kick to the face, but couldn't block one to the knee. Oh! <laughs> well, it looked like he was dancing like Michael Jackson for a second, distracting the referee. And then gets kicked straight in the plums. <laughs> oh, now done. <laughs> <laughs> Working on Will Ospreay. Finger <laughs> in the cheek, just putting his face around. And Ospreay's visuals are hilarious. It's done now, just goes arm and then kick to the back of the head. With these two guys, it's just fluid motion, isn't it? You know, this is Absolutely, how, yeah. This is how it should be done. And now Dunn mocks. Osprey slowly getting pissed off with Dunn. Trying to psych himself up to get back into this match. As Pete slaps him around the face. But Will's having none of it. Shots of forearms, but no. Osprey managed a handspring. Lovely handspring in Seguri. And the camera work's not too bad either. I mean, yeah, you haven't got the hard cam. But the two that they've got to do most of the work anyway, so... Absolutely, yeah, you know, you can't go... Yeah. Nah, that's, that's a proper camera. You can see the light on it. And it's done now. You can see the light. It's going out on Will Ospreay in this match because running into a boot. Well, Ospreay sends him headfast into the turnbuckle, kicks the underside, then a helo over the top rope, channeling his inner Eddie Guerrero. Oh, don't get me wrong, Eddie Guerrero did it better, but there's a certain style to Ospreay. Where he just brings it, and now he's building up some momentum. Running drop kick to Dunn in the corner. You could do a coast to coast. <laughs> I'll be able to do a coast to coast in that ring. Wouldn't be able to do that, though. And so it's a corkscrew. <laughs> and then into the splash, but Dunn gets shot off at two. Two. And Osprey might be getting a little bit frustrated by Pete Dunn. Uh, wondering what he's got to do to put the British NXT UK champion down. And now springboard across. And a phenomenal forearm. Could argue as good as, good as AJ Styles does it. And now Dunn in trouble. Doing the glorious hands. One could argue he's doing that as good, if not better, than Bobby Roode. And he's got the hand. He's going to look. Hit the offensive move, but Dunn bit the finger of Osprey. X-Bless suplex, but Osprey lands on his feet. Standing shooting star press. Standing corkscrew moonsault off the second rope, but only getting a two. Two. And that's the quality of just speed, you know, not speeding things up as such, but just quickening the, the pace. Wicked. Exactly. And it's just like... All that one motion. The lighting's uh, a bit questionable, though. Mm-hmm. And I was very thinking what's going to take to put Pete Dunn down. Because we were a forearm shot now looking again. Third time lucky, but Pete Dunn follows him to the opposite corner with a running knee. 
Now it's Dan's turn to go up top. Oh. Who's a Oh my god, a huge knockout kick to the head. Dan now picking up Osprey. Fuck me, Xplex into the set power bomb, but Osprey. Just managing to get it up at two. Two. And Pete Dunn shows the uh, frustrations of this match. Both men at the moment struggling to put the other away. Now here comes Dunn running in. He's placed up on the second rope. Head caught by the turnbuckle though. Osprey looking for a super kick to the head of Pete Dunn who is trapped. But Dunn managed to get his foot out. That's just fucking saying else. Managed to land on his feet. Hit the step up in security. Dunn responsible on his own. <laughs> looking to turn Osprey inside out. He turns it into a stunner. Phenomenal forearm, but I think Pete responds with the same. And then Osprey with a Spanish fly to Pete Dunn. <laughs> the first shot, holy shit, but it's just two of the best in the world. Absolutely, yeah, and that's not just British wrestlers either. I mean, wrestlers. I'd, I'd put these two guys, yeah, against anybody, you know. You, you talk about... Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles or something like that. Yeah, okay, They're, they've got a little bit more experience to him, but Dunn and Osprey could be two guys who definitely fill that spot as we go on. Absolutely, they'll definitely be able to hold their own as well. And as you say, they're so young in their careers that they have still got a lot to learn. I mean, once they get to the same age where Bryan or AJ yeah. was at their peak, I think they'll be surpassing what they are at their peak. And I think that's like the list of guys are still so young as well. As Dunn now... Look at the tombstone Osprey, but he reverses it. And Osprey sends him face first into the top turnbuckle. Sets Dunn up in the corner. Head trap, super kick. And now Osprey might be going up. Well, there's only two men in the wrestling world who can hit 630 splash. One of them's Ricochet, the other man's going up top now. Well, Dunn managing to uh, get up and cut Osprey off. Huge palm strike, and Dunn just uses every weapon imaginable. That he's got, and oh my god, this could be the end of Osprey's career off the second. Maybe looking for a Tiger's ball. Butterfly suplex, Osprey holding on. Don't want to hit the ceiling, of course. There's quite low ceilings in this place. Oh my god. A reverse runner <laughs> from the top. One, two, no. Dunn managing to kick out. Uh, oh! Fucking hell. Well, <laughs> shining wizard. Oh, went for the Springboard Stunner, got caught. Dunn turns it, bitter end. Wow. One, two, three. Fucking hell. Is that not an advert? Go and watch this match on YouTube now. Pete Dunn v. Will Ospreay. The shit these two guys, like, the closing sequence. Imagine that in a bigger set. They could do that at Wembley and have 80,000 fans, you know what I mean? Just following them all along. What are your thoughts on that match? Absolutely. You know, it is one thing you like in a wrestling match is a storytelling. And these two, you know... These two guys, the story they told is they both believe they are the best in the world. And that is kind of like the story going into this. And, you know, each one of each move is trying to one up the other. Yeah. And, you know, those gradually building and building and building until we get to that end sequence. And, you know, it's just phenomenal. A flawless match. And even Pete Dunne, you know, even though he was calling them wankers and giving them the bird, he, you know, he pointed at Will Ospreay as he was walking off and gave him a clap as if to say, look, Mate, fucking mad respect and amazing talent. And that is also what brings out the best in them. Look, you know, he's <laughs> clapping his opponent because he had a good match and he's flipping the bird to the fans. I mean, you know, it is just amazing someone of their calibre can still do things like this. No doubt. And, you know, we've seen Pete Down do it and it's great to see <laughs> <laughs> as he pushes. And he just pushed the ref and called him a wanker. 
As you know, we started off this match with the kind of cat's ears and stuff like that, and then it turned into a really serious match. And it just shows you the talent. And of course, we knew about Pete Dunne. And of course, Will Ospreay now as well. And the rest of the Magnificent Seven Lights. So we'll be keeping a very close eye on them as uh, the year continues. And another guy, really, we talk about, we look at list and honourable mentions, one that I should have maybe done a little bit better, is Wade Barrett or Stu Bennett. I've got some bad news. Could really big position when he first joined WWE wasn't he absolutely know? yeah you know he was King Barrett for a while Intercontinental Champion done well leader of the Nexus I mean you know well I think he went on to create the core after that he was you know kind of like the head of stable so you know he should have done a lot more I don't know if it was creative differences or or what have you that kind of led to his departure from WWE no and it's weird for years now because Jim Connick got fired from ND- uh, N- NWA Stu Bennett has replaced him as the uh, commentator now on that. We'll have a bit more NWA news a little bit later. Yeah, but he was also doing World of Sport yeah. as well. You know, he was kind of like the general manager. General manager, yeah. And he was doing good at it as well, you know. So that's a major plus for NWA. Major, major plus. So, what about the state of British wrestling? Well, when WWE first announced their brand new NXT UK brand back in 2018, a flurry of think pieces emerged predicting a typically gloomy British fashion, the imminent demise of British wrestling. And although rumours of Brit rest demise have been greatly exaggerated a year removed from NXT UK's inception, the scene is decidedly looking worse for wear. Yeah, far from the cataclysmic extinction event some commentators predicted, the creep has instead been slow and insidious. The substitution of progress in ICW was followed by the demise of Defiant and pro-wrestling chaos. Well, it would be disingenuous to pinpoint NXT UK as a factor. A change in economic climate is almost certainly a contributory factor, leading to financial struggle. But given the NXT UK's propensity for swallowing up large swathes of top Brit rest talent, it's equally disingenuous to pretend WWE's newest brand bears no responsibility whatsoever for the somewhat precarious state of the UK scene. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so dubious, aren't I? In November 2018, WWE introduced new contracts, effectively forming for any promotion not affiliated with NXT UK. As Upbox reported, these restricted contracts would affect increasing numbers of NXT UK talent as more and more wrestlers sign new contracts. And we have seen this in action already on the UK scene. Tony Storm, Kaylee Ray, Viper, aka Piper Niven, all left Pro Wrestling Eve earlier this year. And AEW are something of a wildcard presence here. While they may have been royally screwed up on their UK TV contract, charging UK fans while US fans get weekly popular decision. Cody's recently tweeted in support of Southside. And it was announced that Sean Spears and MJF would be appearing on the farewell show. Well, what form this support is liable to take in the long term is yet to be seen. But AEW reaching out to sideline Brit Rest promotions could well be a game changer in the near future. Well, some promotions fare better than others. Dodgy referee dealings aside, RevPlo's close affiliation with NJPW has proven their saving grace. The Pro British Heavyweight Championship is featured prominently on NJPW shows, thereby sizable niche. Well, Riptide have long built their brand on the kind of talent NXT would not touch with a barge pole. It's hard to imagine the likes of Chuck Mambo, Cara Noir. The recently retired Jack Sexsmith and uh, 
Dave Benson Phillips sitting comfortably on the NXT UK roster. Well, similarly, Britain's top wrestling promotion, arguably top promotion irrespective of gender, Pro Wrestling Eve, are not only busy growing, nurturing their own pool of talent via their Eve Academy, up and coming star Rebel Kinney is one of those, another gloriously NXT unfriendly prospect, but they're forging links with likes of stardom, shows this kind of business now, some presence, necessity for survival in a post NXT UK world. So, Brit Rest is not dead, and despite WWE's best efforts, it's still Premier premature to ring the death roll. Yeah, but nonetheless, it's a historical precedent for the current climate of pessimism. WWE's attempt at basically monopolising the scene have never ended well for smaller promotions, mostly by sheer force of gravitational pull, or even the march of progress, and in fact remains that NXT UK, in many respects, simply not as good as what it does some of the smaller comp- competitors, who due to the inducing WWE banner will inevitably fly beneath the NXT radar. NXT UK women's scene is patchy and underdeveloped despite an overwhelmingly talented roster. The Brit rest atmosphere cultivated by the likes of Progress, Eve and ICW feels watered down, hampered by a kind of generic blandness. It's as though NXT UK fails to understand what kick-started and prolonged the Brit, re- re- Brit rest revival in the first instance. The constant accumulation of talent fosters a bloated catalogue of talent doing absolutely nothing, less than it ought to have been learned from W's US brands. Under these conditions, it seems very unfair that the likes of Eve and Riptide should have compete with the WWE juggernaut for an audience that have, they have more than earned. Well, this is purely academic. What we do know is that WWE's contract tinkering and imposition of unreasonable restrictions point strongly towards a political uh, potential interest in monopolising British wrestling. Will they succeed? It seems unlikely. British wrestling and European wrestling on a broader scale is producing new and exciting talent all the time. A more likely scenario is a slow hobbling of the scene, mirroring non-affiliated promotions and a tangle of weird restrictions and sanctions which is liable to call off enthusiasm these promotions have worked so hard to foster in British fans, and the warehousing of talent, which may be the sole intention of keeping them from wrestling anywhere else. And uh, we have seen a lot of promotions recently going under as well, so it is, it is a difficult time for, for British wrestling uh, at this point. Uh, but, that, you know, the kind of negatives about that. But there are some positives, and we'll move on to talk about a couple of promotions. And the first up is ICW. Yes, in Scotland, the past few years, Insane Championship Wrestling have been selling out their shows and up and down the country. The biggest event, Fear and Loathing, took place last month. Well, it was the 12th Fear and Loathing event, but the first time it split over two nights. Well, we go on to night one and the match results are we got a VIP match, an eight-man tag team match. Mark Coffey and Power Forward defeated Andy Wilde and More Than Hype, LJ Cleary, Nathan Martin and Darren Kearney. Jordan Devlin, Midget Head, defeated Kenny Williams in singles action. Alexander Dean defeated Aaron Echo. Echo. Six-man tag team match. Liam Dahl, the Kinky Party, Jack Jester and Shah Samuels defeated Adam Maxted and the Kings of the North, Damien Corvin and Bonesaw. Shah Samuels deserves, I think, a chance with one of these bigger promotions. Absolutely. Is that the same Bonesaw's gonna get you from um, <laughs> Spider-Man fame? No, different one. Well, there was a scheme lumberjack match, and Grado defeated Ravy Davy. It's yourself. Sammy Callahan defeated BT Gun. Glasgow Street Fight Kid Fight defeated Chef Deputy Dunn. Kaylee Ray and Viper defeated Zaya Brookside and Anger Hayes. And ICW Zero G Championship Good Housekeeping Three Match Champion Liam ha- Liam Thompson defeated Wolfgang. And you can see a lot of uh, NXT UK talent on there. Uh, so night two. Two. A match for the VIP match, Square Gore, qualifier rumble match, won by 
Luca DiPazzi, the entrance calls Alexander Darwin, McAllen, Daz Black, Jason Reed, Carl Chaos, Levi Justice, Lucha DS, Ross Hauser, Zero, the Sam Barber. Yes, uh, we had another one contenders match, the Fight Night Network. Krieger and Lou King Sharp defeated the Nine, Dickie Divers and Jack Morris. <laughs> Dickie Divers. Dickie Divers. ICW Women's World Championship match. Alvi defeated champion Casey with the Wee Man. And, of course, that was a title change. And a two out of three falls match. Andy Wilde with two. Two. Defeated Mark Coffey to one. The power forward members are revealed to be Craig Anthony, Scant McGaver. Not the Grant McIver. The Grant McIver. We had an ICW Tag Team Championship Kings of Insanity match. The Purge, who are Stevie James and Crowbar, spelt with a K. Defeated Champions, the Kings of Catch, Aspen Faith and Lewis Garvin. It was a title change there as well. ICW owner Mark Dallas and Jack Jester gave a tribute to Adrian Lionheart McCallum before they ended up crowd surfing. And a three-way match, Noam Dar defeated Kieran Kelly. Kez Evans defeated Aya Dragunov. And Easton Reese defeated Scotty Davis. ICW World Heavyweight Championship match, champion Stevie Boy defeated Joe Coffey. So, I mean, it's still a lot going on in Scotland. And uh, let's talk about PCW now, Preston City Wrestling. It's on Sky. We've actually got it on in the background at this moment in time. Um, and uh, for some reason, I'm signed up to the emails, and they keep offering us free tickets. But the problem is, it's in Preston there. But they had a couple of big shows in December. December 6th, the Friday night shows at Blackpool, Blackpool Tower Circus. The show features international stars with Speedball Mike Bailey, Cody Hall, who is the son of W Hall of Famer Scott Hall. I like how they had to explain that. And MOA from DDT in Japan. Well, December the 7th, the huge Saturday night show. It is all on the line. The show features Stephen Flutter versus Sheik Al Sham for control of PCW. We're told to expect some huge surprises on this show. If rumours are true then the ticket buyers are in for a treat, even if he was offered the tickets for free. But as we can see with the audience, Dan, there must be at least dozens of people here. At least 26 people there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you think? It's obviously like the circus thing at the, the Blackpool Tower. I mean, it's quite a cool little setting, if done right. It is. I, I like the uh, the outside of the ring area. And, you know, again, the ring looks about the size of a... <laughs> yeah, it's not that big. But we had the two guys wrestling earlier, uh, playing... <laughs> Doing pat cake in the ring as well. So, I mean, that is good. And like I said, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, talk about Rev Pro as well. All right, yes. Uh, Revolution Pro Wrestling this Sunday. York Hall, Bethnal Green, London. Eight huge matches announced for that. Yeah, I think the match that takes my eyes there is uh, Pack in action there versus Michael Oku. And I think that should be a great match. Like we talk about, Pack is on our seven list. And that is York Hall in London. And... Um, that is, as we go about, a great event as well. So now, last one, we move on to IPW. We talk about with a bit of sadness, I suppose, but but we are off, Dan. It's good news. Yes, well, we are off to Maystone for IPW Undisputed Free. Mm. Unfortunately, it is their last event. <laughs> and that just shows you what is really happening to the British wrestling scene. But we are still super pumped to go, and I just hope... Joey Ryan is not an arsehole. Like Colt Cabana like was. And if he is, it will break my fucking... It's more Ricochet and Drew McIntyre than Colt Cabana. Even um, meeting Marty Scurrill as well. You know, yeah, Marty Scurrill's cool dude. Of my brother with him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, that was all cool. The only person that we have actually met <laughs> who wasn't cool and wasn't, was an arsehole. And in the words of CM Punk, hi, Colt Cabana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, 
But what about the previous two undisputed events? Can we talk about this is undisputed three? What about the previous two events that took place? Well, Dan. Well. It was the IPW UK, the Big Bang Undisputed, and it was on the uh, 17th of December 2017. An international pro wrestling United Kingdom. Uh, it was in Rochester, Kent, at the Casino Rooms. There was a Z-Force title match. Cara uh, Noir defeats Kip Sabian, who was the champion. So there was a title change there. We had Dave Master defeating Big Grizzly. We had an all-England title match. Adam Maxted defeating Scott Starr. We had the WUK World title match. Mark Haskins defeats Luke Phoenix to become the champ. Uh, we had a Monsters Ball match. Jimmy Havoc defeats Abyss of... Uh, TNA fame. Uh, we had the IPW UK Women's Title match. Zaya Brookside defeated Livy Grace with the Stone at the Moat Hall. Uh, and then to start us off, we had the UK World Title match. Kip Sabian defeats Chris Ridgway. We had a tag team match. Lil Move defeat M&M. That's Connor Mills and Maverick Mayhew. Not M&M as yeah, in Mercury, Molina and Nitro. You would be disappointed if you thought we were going to see them. Mark Haskins defeated Timothy Thatcher. We had a no disqualification match. Rob Sharp defeats Jack Sexsmith. NWA World Title Heavyweight match. Nick Aldis defeating Jimmy Havoc. We had an IPW UK Tag Team Title match. The Anti-Fun Police. Chief Deputy Dunn and Los Federales Santos Jr. defeated the SCTO. We had the IPU UK Women's Title match. Sierra Loxton defeating Bobby Tyler. And that was a title change. And we had the IPW UK World Title match. Mark Haskin defeated Kip Sabian who was the former champion, so there was another title change there. Yeah, and what we do know about this event, the IPW World Title will be on the line for the final time. Uh, it will be decided, and of course, Joe Ryan will be in action as well, and Jordan Devlin. So it should be, hoping, quite an interesting event. Uh, what are your hopes for it? Just uh, Because, you know, we're, only, we're not that far away from it. I, I just hope it's really enjoyable. I hope there's a, a good bit of crowd interaction, as you would get for... Uh, for like them kind of shows. I hope there's a, a nice little surprise in there as well. Something that we didn't expect, something that we didn't see coming. Um, you know, I know like, you know, if they've got a big name going there, that they're going to put it down just to draw people in there. But, you know, I hope we get a, a nice surprise and, and it's a good farewell for the company as well. <clears throat> well, what is uh, hopefully as well we're going to try and do is a lot more British wrestling in the upcoming year. So we're not going to go to WWE at the O2 this year. We're going to try and go to a couple of more events uh, locally. It's a shame that, of course, IPW going out of business. But we want to kind of shine a light as well for anybody like the American community. We know we've got a big American audience. We'd like to thank everybody across the world who listens to us. We're going to try and, you know, people know about British wrestling, maybe little bits, maybe little bits they don't. And, of course, you've got the kind of world of sport days with Big Daddy and stuff like that. But with the new things, and coming in 2020... There's going to be a couple of very special superstar profiles that we're going to do. Absolutely, yes. One of them. He is a man's man, James. <laughs> yes, he's a man. He is a real man's man. He's and that man. is Sir William Regal. The, the daddy of NXT. Real, real man's man. You're damn right about that, the daddy. We are going to see William Regal, who wrestled across the world in WSW and, of course, in WWF and I, like you said, with NXT as well. And another one, speaking of great British talent, is going to be Nigel McGuinness. We actually are going to have a superstar profile about Nigel McGuinness. I recently watched 
uh, the last of McGuinness, the documentary, and it blew my mind. So we'll be covering about Nigel McGuinness's uh, career coming up with Superstar Profiles, as well as checking in with the Magnificent Seven as well. But that's it, all the talk. And up next is IPW Undisputed Free. Okay, so we saw him. We came, we saw the man, the myth, the penis. But how did it go? And Was he an arsehole is the main thing. And we'll be answering all that. Indeed, yes. We've met a few wrestlers. Uh, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Colt Ultimo Dragon at one point or another mm-hmm. as well. Marty Skull, and we've uh, Rich Swan, the Young Bucks that we've... We've seen as well. We've seen we've seen plenty of wrestling. We've not been to a British wrestling event in a very long time, but we got the tickets front row, and it was for IPW Undisputed Free, and it was in Maidstone, so a little bit of travel for us, but it wasn't too bad. No, it was the final ever IPW event as well, which was uh, it was quite a sombre moment for the announcers, the referees, you know, and everyone involved because in since day one the announcer said yeah. and what was that 18 years 18 years yeah the Paul Potts looking motherfucker said uh, he'd been there that long but like we say we run through it so first up we got there uh, the journey was fine and the kind of where it's setting was it's it is a leisure centre aka swimming pool but the arena itself is kind of bigger than the Red Pro ones that we've seen in the past isn't it you know um, absolutely yeah I'll completely agree with that there was a, a lot more seats available for fans yeah i quite liked uh, the bleachers and of course any all the pictures and videos that we talk about are available and are already available on twitter uh, instagram facebook and of course youtube all the dubbing our podcast so you can see what we're talking about uh, and like i said i like the bleachers there i mean first up before we even got in there we had to queue because we had vip seating now what were your thoughts on the, the vip uh waiting for it in the meet and greet um, well, there was there was a lot more VIP than just normal peas. Um, I got a bit disgruntled because uh, a, a slightly heavier set fellow was kind of waiting around, and you know we overheard him saying about how, oh well, they're going to call us in first, and like you know he'd arrived there probably about ten fifteen minutes after us, um, and you know I was kind of a bit disgruntled, but I wasn't going to let him get me down. We managed to get in, and you know we queued up to a little corner room. Where the uh, the VIP meet and greet was after yeah. I think it was about a fifteen twenty minute delay. It was a little bit of a delay, wasn't it? Which was uh, a little bit annoying. But like I said, and the only problem was this other guy was people were getting caught in his gravitational pull as well. But we like I said, you managed to get in, got into this little room, and I mean I was always talking to you about the kind of scale of it because like WWE people pay hundreds of, of dollars to go see them, and yet it is basically the same as someone sitting behind a table, and it doesn't feel as personal as it should do in a way and of course there was the the you know we saw a lot of people there of course uh the two robs were there the rob sharp and rob lynch and of course joey ryan but there was also a referee there and he was quite nice because he because i wore the our podcast t-shirt and um and he was saying well the our podcast like what's that and we kind of had to explain to him what it is because we've not really yeah. done that in a while yeah, have we? Yeah, you, know? And, uh, you, you know we also mentioned about Big Vinnie Mac trying to shut us down and, you know, try and take out the smaller competition, which possibly may or may not be the reason why IPW are going out of business due to being, yeah. you know, kind of crushed by the corporate industry that is um, NXT UK. But the, the guy seemed uh, very interesting. Uh, we didn't know he was a referee until we actually saw him in the ring and he asked where the podcast is available. And of course, like we said, across SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker Radio, the Dubliner Podcast, where we are there, and I've been doing it a little while. And like I said, we're changing and trying to focus more on independence, and uh, Joey Ryan was there, and I 
find I've met him and I said, oh, you know, it's, it's a pleasure meeting you. Uh, it's, it's great, you know, like you're bringing kind of fun back into professional wrestling. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Shook it. I said, can I shake your hand? He said, yeah, fine. And I thought that was basically, I thought that was going to be the chance to meet the guys, got to our seats. And as you can see, we've got the pictures up on our, our big 100-inch TV screen here. Uh, our seats, I mean, looking back on it, were the seats good enough for you? I mean, they're pretty cool, weren't they? You know? Um, Yeah, you know, I'd like to have been kind of not in the corner that we was because that was mainly where the referee was stood and there was a ring post kind of right in front of us. But, you know, it's, it didn't take away from the action and the uh, the spectacle of it all. You know, it was still a very entertaining show. Without a doubt, we certainly had the entrances, uh, this really kind of weird fucking entrance ramp that I would not have got on to save my life. Uh, to get into the ring uh, and again it's quite I wouldn't say professional setup but you can see they've been doing shows like this for for a long time you know absolutely yeah and again you know we've uh, I've commented on how small the ring is on a few of the YouTube videos we watched when we was looking back at our uh, Magnificent Seven and it was a very tiny ring you know compared to what we've seen at WWE events it was I'd say probably about two-thirds the size of that yeah uh, well that uh, and it, you know it, it's kind of work around it uh and you know you kind of get used to it and we thought we we're gonna get ready for the show and then i saw some tables set up uh and i thought oh fucking hell wait a minute maybe some joey ryan merch because you know i can't turn down any merchandise and i went over to the table and there was like free joey ryan t-shirts uh free joey like posters i say free free to choose from shall we say uh and there's a woman there and i said oh can i have a cut to no they're not for sale yet. And I was like, oh, God, when are they going to be for sale? She went, when Joey Ryan gets here. And I was like, ah, oh, and I actually came over to you. And I was like, oh, my God, Joey Ryan. Sat down, and then Joey Ryan's there. And I was up like a fucking shot when I really, Absolutely, you know? yeah. You know, it wasn't as if he was getting hounded as well until James went over there and <laughs> kind of pestered him a bit. But, you know, um, he, uh, he came back beaming. Oh, I've got these T-shirts. Oh. Well, the T-shirts I got, yeah, like I said, he three T-shirts for sale. Uh, and I got the cut the 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 one that looks like a Super Mario, t- which might be my favourite wrestling T-shirt ever now because it's like Super Mario with Joe Ryan on it with a lollipop in mouth. The other one was kind of uh, World's Most Dangerous Dong, which is the Impact Wrestling, my first ever Impact Wrestling T-shirt that I've got, and also a little Joe Ryan figure, which was really really cool, and uh, also like a signed picture because you always kind of want to get you know the kind of what you got. Uh, it was, oh, I don't mind saying, it was, I think, uh, 60 quid for it. So it worked out like £10 for the toy and the, the poster and 20 quid for the T-shirt. But my thing is, is that you're paying £25 when you go to a WWE event to pay for a T-shirt. Whereas, and it's going to the big conglomerate. Whereas this one, Joey Wright, I mean, I felt bad. Cause he was, I was like, can I get large? And he's like, yeah. And he's going through like his bags trying to find certain T-shirts and stuff. And he's like, this is my Christmas jumper. And I'm like, that's cool, man. I said, but, you know, and, and you know giving the money into his pocket and it's like i'm supporting him you know and he even said that he's like thank you for this. i really appreciate it and i was like nah man i said because you know i get a little bit kind of starstruck with these you guys do, anyway. yeah yeah it's not um, the first time it's happened and i'm sure it won't be the last no either. but it, i did have the courage to say to him like uh oh can i get a picture of you and he's like yeah cast no problems so i got a picture and i thought that's 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 cool you know that that's probably my night done now anyway so we went sit back down uh, but we did go not just for Joey Ryan for the IPW car so we're just going to run through it quickly this is what we had on tap for the show so uh, we had a way match James Castle versus Maverick Mayhew versus Francesco Akira versus Ben Baisden we had the Knuckle Lockers versus the Bone Brothers we had uh, Callum Newman versus Joe Nelson we had the IPW Women's Championship match Bobby Tyler versus Lana Austin we had Johnny Storm versus Ashley Dunn 
We had uh, the man, the myth, the dong, Joey Ryan going against Big Guns Joe. We had Jordan Devlin versus Connor Mills. And we had the IPW World Championship match. Rob Sharp, who's the champion, it's Rob Lynch. Yeah, so well, I, tried to, I tried to take some notes uh, during the, the, the show, but you, know, you get kind of caught up in the excitement as well. Uh, but we did have a bonus pre-show match to start off. Uh, it was singles, and it was Cal Gray versus Andre Kaur. And it ended with Core hitting a pounce for a win. I mean, Core looked like your kind of generic wrestler, didn't he? You know, kind of not really much about him. He did, yeah. Uh, I didn't mind the kind of look of Cal Gray uh, because he was he was trying something a little bit different. You know, he was trying something there. Oh, by the way, just got the picture. Look, there's a picture of me and Joe Ryan. I mean, that is just you said we look related. You know, we look like brothers. I mean, you, you did, know, yeah. You're his. Uh... Illegitimate son that he never wanted anything to do with. Oh, he did. Look, he's, that's a genuine smile. He is happy to meet me. That is a proper fucking smile. That's not like a kind of... Uh, uh, we took some, took some action shots of uh, Callahan, and there you can see the big man there as well, who got the victory. And it was, it was quite a good match, and it ended with a pounce. Even you said that was quite a cool move to end it. I thought you? it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was an Irish whip as, uh, as, as Joe came off the ropes and kind of like just basically threw his shoulder into uh Cali Gray and just completely took him out. Yeah, and then the next match we had um the it was probably a match that we weren't expecting it to be any good, but it actually really was and it was a cruiserweight title match. Uh and of course between like we said Callum Newman and Joe Nelson. Uh we saw Nelson he favoured one of our tweets that we sent out as we we're gonna to go to the show. Uh, I feel with this match, these two guys uh, put on a, a, a probably the best match of the night. Uh, it was saying a little bit different, but you were saying how um, the guy was helping out Nelson, basically, wasn't it? You know, that's what you noticed yeah. when you were seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Nelson was, what, 19 years old? Very, very young, yeah. You know, very young. They had a, a very brutal exchange of chops during the match. You could see, like, you could read their palm print off the hand. It was something that would kind of make Walter proud. Yes. Um, out, yeah. And, you know, there was a few comments from the crowd saying, he's just a boy. Yeah, I mean, he got fucked up and we, we saw um, that Newman was kind of bringing the best out of him. But, I mean, in that match, we saw, like, reverse hurricane runners and, and, and you know, shooting star presses. And, and I think people get used to those type of moves because we see them so often now. But it does take a certain amount of ability to be able to hit these moves correctly. Uh, and it was a great match between the two. You know, uh, Nelson came up short in the end, but still kind of really, really enjoyable, you know. Absolutely, yeah, brilliant match. Um, again, you know, uh, Newman, especially, you know, I think they've, well, they've both got a really good kind of um, potential about them, which, you know, in a four or five years' time, you might hear either of This is the exciting thing, you know, when we saw these guys back in the day, we weren't sure how much of success. Someone like Apollo Crews, who was there at one of the Sittermore shows, who went on to kind of have big success. Our next match was the Fatal 4-Way match. Uh, it was James Castle, Maverick Mayhew, Francesco Kira and Ben Baisden. Now, Ben Baisden came out as the heel. We knew that because he was giving everybody the finger as he came yes, out. Yes, and uh, his entrance theme kind of had a couple of swear words in it yeah. as he was coming down a ramp. Um, he was he was known uh, from from the place up the hill in Chatham. <laughs> that got a huge boo, which was good. I was impressed with uh, Castle because he had a big mohawk and he probably looked the most. I don't want to say professional wrestler out of the lot, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like... well, uh, Mayhew gave us a high five as he was coming round yes. the ring, and you know, I high five and everyone. So we was like, right, he's our favourite to win it. We want him to win. <laughs> you know, we're going to back this fella here and. Uh... 
Yeah, he, he came up short, didn't he? You know, you also had the Italian, um, Akira, who didn't really offer. Uh, but as you can see from the pictures, just the, th- uh, the other thing about British wrestling or, or independent wrestling compared to WWE is with WWE, you've got such a barricade, no pun intended, of kind of being away. For, even if you're ringside, it's still quite away. Whereas these guys, I could literally touch them and get chucked out of the arena, but still go and grab them, you know. And I would like to point out, I normally comment on the wafer thin mats, which offer some or little protection. This was just basically a basketball court. Yeah. There was no way to be seen. And, uh, you know, if these guys were, they, and there was a few bumps going over the top rope, you know, they they wouldn't have any protection. The victory uh, with a kind of sleeper there, kind of the guys waiting outside and then it happened. And then I was really surprised because then Big Guns Joe came out and I thought, hang on a minute, isn't he going against Joe Ryan? And then suddenly Pina Colada hit on the system, which is probably one of the greatest of all time. And we saw Mr. Joe Ryan. And, you know, I'm not going to say that he was posing for us, but as you can see from the pictures that we took, he was posing for us. It's as simple as that. Uh, and Joey came out. And there is one particular shot. And you can see, because he's doing the kind of poses on the ropes. And there's one, and of course he's doing the baby oil and stuff like this. And there's one shot, <laughs> it's a baby oil. You can see the drip of baby oil <laughs> going down. And James... I've never, I've never thought you've ever said this, but you said to me, you turned and said to me, James, I wish I was that drip of baby oil. Honest to goodness, like that drip of baby oil uh, when he was doing legs and everything like that. Uh, and it, it was like I said, a couple of shots where he's just basically looking right at us. <laughs> Some of the stills from the pictures as well. Because it, it, it was a basic story told. Joey Ryan wanted him to touch his penis. Yes, um, as, as he would, you know, we saw the... Um, the odds, it was kind of, he was kind of, you know, on offence for the majority of the match. And it was just basically Joe Ryan trying to get this fella to touch his penis. Yeah, without a doubt. And, um, you know, it it was quite a fun story told. You know, there, was, uh, there wasn't many youngsters in the crowd, you know, many people under the age of 18. Yeah. The picture we got right now, he is looking right at me. There is no doubt in my mind he is posing to get that bit. And I'm not saying that he met me, uh, he, he realised I was a fan, and he's like, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to give this boy something to fucking remember. And he did. I mean, I haven't had this much fun watching a wrestling match in in God knows how long. Honest to goodness, it was, it was just so much kind of like fun, and you just... Fun in wrestling is kind of difficult. There's an argument that you can talk about. But I just really, really enjoyed it. He tried a bootplex, of course, which was uh, unsuccessful. Uh, but then, of course, uh, the, the, the penis grab, which we were waiting for. We knew it was going to come. Uh, but we were cheering as loud as we possibly could, you know. Absolutely, yeah. You know, we saw um, an attempt, uh, an atomic drop, <laughs> which Big Guns Joe was very unsuccessful with because, as you know... Um, his dong will hurt your leg yeah. if it touches it. I mean, I don't want to say I shot my load and peaked too soon at that moment, but I peaked too soon at Joey Ryan. We were questioning why he would come out in the first half as opposed to the second half, you know? It it seemed a bit weird that that would happen. What are your thoughts? Why do you think he came out first instead of second? I honestly, I, I don't know. It's like to kind of uh, warm up the crowd. I don't know. Like, kind of, you know, give everyone a, a huge treat because, you know, it's... Wrestling would peak at that point. Yeah, well, it did. And, you know, after that point, it, it was very difficult to try and get back on track. I, um, I tried to take a couple of more notes afterwards, but slowly lost track. 
awesome. It was a pleasure to watch that man work. I know people have got a problem with it, but like I said, I haven't been entertained as much here as I've I've been probably ever in 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 watching wrestling. Just because it was in that. And no offense to you, Dan, but I literally forgot you were next to me at one point as well. Because it was just me watching Joey Ryan, and that's what it was. You know what I mean? That's what I wanted. And that's coming from like <laughs> someone who's seen a, a tag match. With Cedric Alexander and Ricochet versus the Young Bucks. Yes, yeah, I, I know. mean, you know, four ultimate talents, you know, at the top of their games in in their respective promotions, and yet, you know, just a man who wants people to touch his penis. Oh, you know, it was, it was, it was the best thing I've ever seen. And then we had uh, Jordan Devlin coming out, uh, and he was, of course, in action versus uh, Connor Mills. Connor Mills, a very young guy, I would say. A little bit of a potential there. Jordan Devlin, to his credit, I mean, you, you're not in WWE if you're not in shape. And this man was in physical condition, basically, Jordan Devlin. He looked like a professional wrestler, you know? Absolutely, yes. And um, I can confirm, because we have walked past him at the O2 Arena, but we can confirm his head is actually... Three times the size of a normal... Uh, at least head. eight times the size. You know, Devlin is... Um, we've got a picture of his entrance as he came out, you know, kind of being serious and all that lot. Uh, but, I, I mean, I think that's my favourite picture. The picture of Jordan Devlin's hand getting raised in victory as Mills, who I think had actually suffered a little bit of an injury because the referee was checking them very closely and got some um, water towards Well, yeah, he said um, he, the ref came as he was, like, draped on the ring kind of towards where the... Uh, the entrance way is, and you know the ref's like, "You're right," and he's like, "I need some water." So he got one of the the runners to go and get him some water, and uh, yeah, managed to make his way up the aisle. You know, it's it, I think with with Devlin, he's kind of like where he's in, um, like you know the the top promotion, and he's you know we have seen him wrestle the likes of uh, Finn Balor and and such. You know, I think in the WWE they want to make it look more realistic and they want to hit harder, whereas these guys, you know, they're kind of where they're in smaller promotions, the chest slaps, yeah, you know, they're going in properly, but I think with the rest of Jordan Devlin, he didn't hold back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most definitely, and I think we saw that uh, in this match. And then they went to intermission, or as the English call it, a break. And uh, basically then they're ringing out and said, oh, now's your chance to have a picture with Joe Ryan and Jordan Devlin in ring for just £10. And I thought, fucking hell, wait a minute. I asked Joey Ryan earlier, and he said, yeah, no problem with taking a picture. He could have said to me, wait a minute, you can get your chance at a picture later on, but didn't do that. And not only didn't he fucking do that, Dan, right? When I tweeted the picture, the motherfucker liked it, and that wasn't the only tweet he liked. So, you know what I mean? He liked two or three, I think it was three in the end of, of pictures with Joey Ryan. That's how you keep a support base. The people who go to see him and invest in him will now, you know, people like me will go, wait a minute, I met him, he was a nice guy, he, he posed for me, basically, <laughs> uh, you know, and, then, you know, all this kind of stuff. I would go again in a heartbeat to go see Joe Ryan if he was around the kind of southeast area or anything else like that. I think it's, you know, definitely worthwhile. Um, but I was, we were a bit surprised that Devlin and Joe Ryan had happened in the first half, you know? Um, yeah, uh, you know, they're probably like where they're the... Uh the big shots in the promotion, you know, they're kind of like, right, you know, we're going to get all their focus over and done with so then we can kind of go back to the IPW stuff, the women's title match, the men's title match, and so on and so forth. Yeah, he's trying to concentrate on IPW last night, you know, so to speak. Um, I don't think the the, the crowd 
was as loud. I think we were louder for Colt Cabana, or the crowd was, than there was Joe Ryan. And I think that's a little bit unfair on Joe Ryan because of how gosh darn entertaining he was. To see children in the front row, though, chanting touch his dick to Joe Ryan is probably one of the funniest things that I've seen in this PG era gone crazy. Uh, and then the second, uh, the first match after the intermission uh, was the Wonder Kid Johnny Ashley Dunn. And Ashley Dunn picked up the victory with a. Um, with a rolling strike to Johnny Storm. I had seen Johnny Storm because he was standing next to Joe Ryan, and I didn't even realise who he was until we actually saw him in action. And then we had the next match, and it was an opposing pair of lads. Uh, it was a knuckle lockers, um, and they had, <laughs> they had won their match. So that we weren't sure yeah, who... They, they beat the Bone Brothers. Yeah, the, I mean, we have a guy independent wrestling. Knuckle lockers versus Bone Brothers is... Pretty kind of generic, in it? But wasn't a, a bad match as it was in that way. Um, and then we had the, uh, of course, the, the women's title match that was there. Uh, and that was Bobby Tyler versus Lana Rostin. And these two women uh, are one, you know, the two probably best women on a kind of independent scene at this moment in time. We were very lucky to see these two women in action. It was a very hard-hitting match between each of them. Both of them gave absolutely everything that they got, and Bobby Tyler won and became, well, is the last ever IPW Women's Champion. Uh, but at this point, I'm still trying to get over Joey Ryan. You know, it was one point where the curtain moved. I can see Joey Ryan getting ready backstage, and I thought, oh, I'm going to take a picture, and then the curtain swiped again. And I'm like, oh, you motherfuckers. And then the main event for the IPW Headweight title, and of course, it was uh, the match that everybody had been waiting to see. And it was Rob Sharp versus Rob Lynch. And uh, very, very hard-hitting. Both of these guys cared a lot about uh, the company. You can see it in their eyes. Uh, and what a massive fight it turned out to be. It was kind of they were just brawling everywhere, weren't they? And there was a few high spots. What was most surprising was the hill turn right at the end, uh, where we weren't expecting it. But, of course, Rob won and is the very last IPW world champion. Yes, and uh, you know it was a it was a very good way and a shocking way to end the show as well. You know it was because a lot of these guys, you know, they was like at the end of their matches they were shaking hands, they were showing respect towards the other guys. You know they was thanking all the crowds that had come out, um, and you know to have that heel turn at the end of it as well. You know it was like oh fucking hell, yeah, it you, know, wouldn't you, it... you wouldn't expect that. You thought they was just going to shake hands, raise each other's hands, and you know kind of show a lot of respect to the crowd. Yeah, you, it was very surprising how it all went down. Uh, but all in all, you know, the show itself, I think the first half was better than second half, but I still kind of really enjoyed it. What were your thoughts on the entire event? Yeah, um, absolutely. It was one of the better Christmas presents you've got me, James. You know, I'm not going to lie. It was, um, uh, sorry, birthday yeah, present. Technically it was a birthday. It was a birthday yeah. present, yeah. Um, thoroughly enjoyed myself. It's... It's a lot better than going to a WWE event because, like, you herded it in like sheep and you're, you're sat, like, about five miles away from the ring. You don't get any interaction with it. And, you know, with the smaller crowds for the um, independent wrestling, it was, you know, it felt like a lot more personal. Like, you know, like it was custom to us as opposed to, you know, just getting lost in a, in a huge, like, crowd of people. Yeah, intimate setting, I think, would be the best thing uh, that to, to say about it, you know. And um, the video on the WWE WNR podcast YouTube channel is being played right now. Uh, as Joey Ryan comes out, of course, you can catch that on YouTube. I was so happy about Joey Ryan. Everything that we wanted, 
everything that I needed. He wasn't an arsehole. He was absolutely brilliant. I would suggest if you listen to this in America, if you listen to this in the UK, if Joe Ryan's around, he's such a quiet, unassuming guy, and yet just so different in ring. And I think that is kind of, people have a go at him, old wrestlers. He's an old star wrestler because he's a gimmick in the ring and a gimmick outside the ring. And I think with Joe Ryan, it's just fantastic. I mean, we got to see Dick, look what he's doing now, the power of the dick. And you can hear me just loving life as well. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, for someone as, who's kind of made it into the big time in Impact Wrestling, and, uh, you know, there was also Jordan Devlin on there who didn't do the meet and greet signing thing, which I thought, you know, that's a bit rude of him. Yeah. But I, I, you know, it, you know. it wouldn't have hurt him to sit there for, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, just to sign a few autographs, but he didn't, and... You know, it, it seemed like Joey Ryan was the biggest star of that show, even though he had someone from WWE there. Without a shadow of a doubt, and it came across as that. And I hope Joey Ryan, you know, kind of enjoyed himself. Obviously, he's listening to the podcast now, along with the IPW crew. We appreciate you listening to us. We really enjoyed the show. There was big news, though, because this was the last show, but they did announce that in April, they will be coming back as Fight Nation. So anybody around the area who missed the chance at IPW, my, our feelings are it's going to be basically the same crew of, of guys, you know, maybe a few different wrestlers and whatever it is. But uh, I, I think the main thing to say is not just a show, just about independent wrestling. If you've got independent wrestling or you've got any shows nearby, you might have stuff where just you don't know any of them, right? And you go to like a Christmas spectacle or something like that. But it's worthwhile going because as you said to me yesterday, Dan, we just, you don't know who's going to make it in the business, do you, you know? Well, you know, as I said, you know, we saw the likes of the Young Bucks. I'd never heard of them before that. And, you know, you look at them now, AEW, you know, they're part of the management of AEW. Um, Ricochet, you know, we thought he was a brilliant talent. We had no idea that he would, you know, become one of the best things in NXT and WWE. Uh, you, you, you never know who you might be seeing there. No, without a doubt. And it, it's, like you said, it's the interaction and be able to meet someone. You know, Joe Ryan's a guy that I've been uh, wanting to meet for a very long time. And when you do, it's the kind of, I'm still buzzing from it now, you know, like 24 hours afterwards. Because it's it just, like you said, it's so different from a WWE event. And, you know, I, I'll say this, with, with the tickets for both of us, the food, the travel, the T-shirts, uh, and everything that was spent was about... As a kind of uh, as a WWE Raw ticket, and that's just Raw because we used to buy two Raws and two SmackDown tickets. With that, just the one ticket, you can get all that, and it is well worth it. You know, for a Sunday evening, there are you know it's one of the best things to do to go there and just be. And, and this is a thing about Joey Ryan: you just get lost in it. You're in there, and that's what I didn't. You know, you don't think about anything else. You know, you don't think about kind of the, the Christmas coming up or money problems or fucking anything else like that. You're just focusing on what's in front of you. You know, and going back to the price, this is like a front row VIP meet and greet ticket as well. So you know, it's like the top end ticket, whereas the WWE ticket we could be sat like 17 rows back, and you know, it's still a similar price. You don't get any like interaction with them. You don't get. Any laughing and joking, and you know, like you know, sometimes they interact with the crowd. Even Jordan Devlin did at some point. And this was great. They know they can actually hear what you say, so you can. But you got to be careful sometimes, uh, you know, because they will call you out on it. Uh, but I think that it, it, you know, we talk about what WWE have done to the WNR podcast, and I think it's just again, kind of, I open up my love for professional wrestling, and and yeah, you know, Joe Ryan. People go, well, he's not a proper wrestler. Well, look what he does. He he doesn't take lots of bumps. He, he, you know, he 
he does what he does in the ring. He gets paid well for it. He's on, you know, national TV. You know, my sister, who probably knows nothing about wrestling apart from maybe Chris Jericho and Edge, I sent her the picture. She's like, who's that? And I'm like, it's Joey fucking Ryan. And then she just texts back going, oh, my God, he's actually famous. And I was like, yeah, it's Joey fucking Ryan. Like... You know, what can I say? It was it was a pleasure meeting him. It was a pleasure going to the show. IPW put on a hell of a show and a great match card. But yeah, Joey Ryan was kind of that made, was a cherry on the icing on top of the cake. And like I said, we can't wait to go to our next British event. All right, so now back to the good old US of A. And uh, just quickly, another promotion as well. NWA bringing power to you. It's been available on Facebook and YouTube. It's it's not a bad program. It's got a throwback. They have got their very first pay per view since kind of Renaissance with Billy Collagen. Uh, it's Into the Fire, taking place December fourteenth, twenty nineteen, Atlanta, Georgia. And um, we're recording it before that. But if you listen to it after, what a great show that was! That was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it yeah. was brilliant. Uh, right, let's run through the car quickly, though, on it. Yes, uh, first match is the question mark. Ooh. Yes, I've got a question mark over that as well, versus Trevor Murdoch. Wow, we got Alison Kay and Ashley Vox versus Melina. Yes, that one. And Marty Bell. We've got Eli Drake versus Mr. Anderson or Kennedy. We've got a two out of three falls match for the NWO World Heavyweight Championship. Brian Hebner will be the referee for the first fall, while Tim Storm will be the referee for the second fall. The referee for the third fall, if necessary, will be determined by a coin flip. It's Nick Aldis, the champ, versus James Storm. We've got James's favourite wrestler, Colt Cabana, defending his uh, NWA National Championship in a triple threat match versus Aaron Stevens and Ricky Starks. And Aaron Stevens the former Damien Sandow, of course. And a couple of matches as well. The Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, last seen hitting a Canadian Destroyer on AEW, are going to go for the NWA World Tag Team Titles. Well, they are the NWA World Tag Team They Champions. are. They are. So he's going against Wild Cards, Thomas Latimer and Royce Isaacs. And also Thunder Rosa versus Tasha Steels yeah. with a Z. So that would be very interesting coming up NWA, of course. It's a bit of a shame, though, because they're charging about £14 in the USA for it, $20, and they're charging it £25 in the UK. And it's just, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to legally stream it, but, you know, I'm just going to say the options there, I suppose. Uh, and we'll move across as well, because our favourite subject at the moment, unless we just called him an arsehole, is Joey Ryan. And uh, we'll be talking about it because on Impact Wrestling, of course, available on Sky and around the world as well. Uh, there was quite a funny backstage segment. But yes, backstage, Joe Ryan is stopped by someone who says that the Impact Management needs to talk to him about his contract. As he enters the curtain that has a sign that says Impact Management, Dreamer reveals himself and tells Ryan that he's been summoned to wrestlers' court. Well, back from the break, the People's Court music starts to play. Ryan is the defendant and Johnny Swinger, the plaintiff, makes his way to the court or the bathroom to sue Ryan for not helping him with his match last week. Dreamer is the judge and Dreamer has no idea, has the idea to move the court to another location. They move it to another room. And Dino Brown is the first witness. The second witness is Madison Rain. Following the two main witnesses are Bob Evans and Kira Hogan. Hogan starts to cry and says that Ryan's moustache offends her. Gamma Singh causes some ruckus before being escorted out of the courtroom. After their session, Ryan has learned his lesson. He just wants wrestling to be fun. Dreamer doesn't care about his final thought. Dreamer finds Ryan guilty. He sentences Ryan to face AC Romeo Romero next week. Ryan, yeah. In quite a funny segment. It's it's amazing to see how much weight Tommy Dream has put on. He's trying to challenge Rhino, Rhino, who was in action 
on Impact earlier against RVD, weirdly enough. <laughs> so, I mean, these guys just keep doing it. Is this ECW in disguise? Oh, well, yeah. It's a bit of a shame, but... Joseph Park Esquire, who is um, Abyss, or Abyss's uh, Joseph Park, his kind of alter ego. And the producer now in um, NXT. And uh, Tommy Dreamer said he's dead to them. <laughs> I mean, Tommy Dreamer last seen on WWE television. I think he was um, kind of in one of the skits on uh, the Edge and Christian show. Yeah, he was actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he was too bad in that. And this is uh, Impact trying to give Joey Ryan a chance. Oh, my God. And D. Lorian Brown. <laughs> if he doesn't walk off with his head wiggle, then he's not D. He's right. the man that ate D. Like. How can people think? Well, exactly. Well, there you go. <laughs> Acting is absolutely fucking. <laughs> so Joey Ryan, there. Uh, I mean, you talk about bad acting from everybody. I think apart from Joey Ryan, I think with Joey Ryan's statement, there was a lot of truth <laughs> to what he's saying as well. So you know, I think it's a kind of a statement that he's said on multiple occasions to many sources, and that, and I think that's kind of like the good thing because it was a bit of light to it. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, let's hope he's the nicest person because we will meet the man tomorrow. No, James, we will meet the man, (laughs) the myth, and the legend, Joe Ryan's penis. Joe Ryan's penis. Oh, and Joe Ryan. And Joe Ryan would be nice, but his penis. Anyway, let's move on, and it's a bit of Impact news because enter Sandman. In Impact Wrestling's Jordan Grace took to Twitter tonight after the WrestleCage Super Show where Rosemary versus Tyler Valkyrie versus Tessa Blanchard versus Grace headlined. Grace claims that the Sandman approached her, Rosemary, Ty and Tessa, before the match and told them that the woman's main eventing is wrong. She tweeted, Hey, remember that time the Sandman came up to four women about main eventing to tell us that women main eventing is wrong? And any male wrestler of any sort of experience would agree? Was this in 1998? No, it was tonight, December 2019. Well, she later tweeted that the full conversation was even worse. For too long for Twitter, but it's worse than you probably even imagine it. A fan replied telling her to keep private conversations private. And she responded by saying, Sandman said this loud enough for the entire locker room to hear. Oh yeah, saying it loud enough for the whole locker room to hear. And asking other wrestlers if they agreed with him. Sure is private. Well, several wrestlers, including Chris Jericho, Will Ospreay and Madison Rayne, have taken to Twitter to respond to the Sandman. Well, Chris Jericho said simply, I don't agree. Will Ospreay says, really? Most of the women wrestlers are pulling off innovative and exciting stuff more than ever before. Can't tell you the amount of times I go to watch Stardom match and want to retire because their matches are insane. Let's not interfere with the progress. Everyone keep killing it. Madison Rain said, gross. I hope he stuck around to see the match and ate his words. Uh, money. Yeah, so, up. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Sandman saying that, he is a dick isn't he you know what i mean for saying that i mean what a fucking idiot uh but anyway yeah we move on and up next blood money well the fiend bray wyatt debuted a new custom universal championship many WWE fans are already in love with it which features the face of the fiend and dark black straps work of art was handcrafted and hand painted by tom savani studios well each title will be numbered includes a certificate of authenticity hand signed by tom savini making it a true collector's item however if fans want one for themselves, they're going to have to fork out a lot of money. WWE is selling the individually made The Fiend Bray Wyatt Custom Universal Championship on an online shop for a whopping $6,499.99. That is fucking ridiculous. Would you pay six grand for that? 
if I had a ridiculous amount of money, then yeah. If I had six grand, I wouldn't buy that. No, I mean, if I had six and a half grand, there's a lot of other things that I would buy. But if I had a lot of disposable yeah. income, then yeah, you know, I'd, I'd happily buy one. Well, okay, well, we'll move on to releases. Yes, um, well, WWE has come to terms on the releases of Jonathan Huber, who is Luke Harper, Sinkara, and Ryan Parameter, who is Connor, and Eric Thompson, who is Victor of the Ascension. WWE wishes them all the best in their future endeavours. Harper had been with the WWE for eight years, and it is a huge shame. Yeah, we've always been a huge fan of Harper, and it's a, it's a bit of a shame. But Sinkara was in WWE for nearly ten fucking years. It is well. Was it that Sinkara or was it a different Sinkara? Because Sinkara was a different Sinkara at the beginning. Wasn't yeah, it? but when Sinkara became Sinkara, he's already in there as someone else as well, Hanako. So he'd been in developmental oh, couple okay. of years before. So yeah. well, yeah. Well, the Ascension were the longest reigning NXT Tag Team Champions in history. They had a lot of momentum behind them, and then they were moved up to the main roster and quickly fizzled, like. Anything that happens in WWE? Well, this is an interesting release, but they were also never used. It's been a very long time since they were even seen chasing for the WWE 24-7 title. The two were able to display a bit of their personality as part of the Fashion Files segments, but nothing really developed past that. Hopefully, they have much better days ahead. And the next bit of news is for life. For life. Well, Batista and NWA members, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash and Short Woman are the first inductees into the WWE's Hall of Fame class of 2020. They will take their place in sports entertainment history during the 2020 WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony on Thursday, April the 2nd at MLA Arena in Tampa Bay, F- Florida, as part of the WrestleMania 36 week. News of the inductions was first reported by People and ESPN. Batista was a six-time world champion and a pop culture phenomenal. Throughout his illustrious career, the animal had memorable rivalries with some of the biggest names in WWE history, including John Cena, Triple H, and The Undertaker. Batista is also a founding member of the revolutionary faction Evolution, Ric Flair, Triple H, and somebody else. At WrestleMania this past April, Batista competed for the final time against Triple H. Outside the ring, he successfully conquered Hollywood, appeared in Spectre, Stuba, and Marvel's blockbuster Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers film. And The Man in the Iron Fist, probably one of his best. Yeah, but Hulk Hogan appeared in Suburban Commando. He did, and so, also Mr. Nanny, so he can't really be that. Can't really be so, that. Well, you know, I'll share my thoughts on this after, but one of the most innovative and controversial factions in sports entertainment history, the New World Order, or NWO. For life. It was led by Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Sean Waltman. The group captivated fans around the world and was crucial to the success of WCW during the historic Monday Night War. With an innovative style and attitude, the NWO participated in memorable rivalries against some of the biggest names in history, including Sting, DDP, Lex Luger, and Conan. With the <laughs> <laughs> you, you admitted Randy Sorry, Orton. I did not, yeah. You admitted Randy you Orton, so I have to guard. do that one for you. <laughs> with the NWO's induction, all four members will become two-time, two-time, two-time WWE Hall of Fame inductees. Well, Batista was one of the fastest rising stars ever in WWE with an incredible list of accolades. The success of the NWA changed the course of sports entertainment history. Specs, WWE Executive Vice President Talent Live Events Creative. It's only fi- fitting that they all take their rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yes, well, tickets for the 2020 Hall of Fame induction ceremony will, ab- will be available Friday the 13th of December. That's why they announced the headline acts. Yeah. No, they couldn't have just done that, could they? But for me... 
right? The NWO, seeing as though all are in there of their own right, I think I don't think it's again already. I'm just glad Virgil is going to be in the Hall of Fame now. Well, he's partly NWO, isn't he? You know, we're going to have him. We're going to have Hogan, Brian, <laughs> Hogan, Brian Adams. We're going to have all the great members as well. You know, it's going to be Stevie Ray. That's no, not... no, it's only them four because they are for life. Ah, I suppose. But, but, but X Park or Chill Waltman wasn't. He was the sixth member of NWO. That's why he was called Six. Yes. So, so surely don't call me Shirley. The the Ted DiBiase should be involved in it as well, shouldn't he? I, I mean, no. I mean, Sean Walkman or X Pac was also inducted last year as part of the DX yeah. Hall of Fame, which you know, it's. I think they're remitting too many people. Yeah. To put the NWI, I mean Hogan, Hall, Nash, and Waltman are already in the Hall of Fame. So to put them in there again, I think that's kind of a bit out of order. Leaving out and what they're going to have Batista. So they've got the two headline acts. Then they're going to have what Mr. Fuji, fucking Dick Togo, Crash Holly. That's Crash. right. I would love it if Crash Holly was in there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know you're saying it to kind of take away, but I think it's a shame that there's not teams like um you know the british bulldogs in the hall of fame or even the heart foundation if they were to go Rated in RKO. you know well heart foundation though you would have people like brian pillman that would go in there owen hart of course deserves it british bulldog jimmy anvil nine heart as, as well you know brett hart would you know maybe go in again but that's better than this it seems like the kind of oh hogan's back in the fold now and it means he's going to appear at wrestlemania and all that kind of shit and they'll probably come out in the nwo Cup. didn't they do this at wrestlemania 31 already yeah. you know like isn't that done can't we stop going back and but just can't we stop going repeating the past and let's just change for the future that's one thing on the podcast that we were trying to do let's not look back you know the, the past is great but we look towards changing it and making things better that's the whole fucking point of it absolutely yeah Anyway, we have one thing left to talk about, and of course that is TLC. James, don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> Get it. Well, Vincent Mann apparently, though, is focusing on WWE Network sign-ups opposed to the pay-per-view, because where are all the matches? Well, according to some toss pot called Dave Meltzer, the reason nothing has been solidified on television is due to Vince McMahon not making his final decisions. Yet. A new philosophy. He's like, I got a new philosophy, damn it. And he's got his key metric for the company. And your belief is the pattern of sign-ups are larger right up to the day of the show and not weeks in advance. Unlike ticket sales, which demand comes much sooner, the thought process behind announcing matches late is due to not needing to rush anything. Well, McMahon also has second thoughts on the match card several times. The most current internal plan has been Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin in a stipulation. Stipulation. Advertised as table match as a tables match locally. And Rusev versus Bobby Lashley being a normal singles match like anything with WWE. This can all change. Well, as far as the Universal Championship, based on the build-up of television, The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan is the direction planned and currently penciled in for the show. That said, there'd be a chance the match would be held off and done at a later time. Decide to hold off the match. The Fiend would then face The Miz with a placeholder title match for TLC. It's Bray Wyatt versus The Miz, though. It's not The Fiend. Is it Bray Wyatt? It is Bray Wyatt versus... It's not The Fiend's not wrestling. It is Bray Wyatt. Wow, he could lose then. No, probably not, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, several other matches are also penciled in, including the Viking Raiders War Experience versus Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. 
The New Day versus Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, but Robert Roode's been suspended due to a violation of the wellness policy because he's a dirty fucking junkie. No, it was and an accident. And Randy Orton versus been suspended. in a match of the year contender. Can we just talk about Bobby very quickly? Because he went into Primo's bag by mistake, right? Took out some what he thought was just normal muscle cream and ended up on the juice. I mean, 30 days, you know, especially when he just got back on TV, probably not the best for him, but we have hope still. I've got high hopes. So here's the current card, Dev. So we've got Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. Going against The Miz. Or The Miz. Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. <laughs> yeah, Bray Wyatt versus The Miz or Daniel Bryan. We just don't know yet. Anything can happen. But it's The Miz. <laughs> I know it's The Miz, but let's just pretend we don't know. But we do know. Yeah, I know we know, but what about you? An alleged table match, Roman Reigns versus King Corbin we in a dog suit. Cannot confirm or deny dog suit and or table. We might have a women's championship tag team title TLC match. We might. There might not be any ladders. Wouldn't that be annoying at TLC pay-per-views there wasn't ladders around? <laughs> not one ladder. Not one. And he had to use, like, I don't know, Big Show. Uh, anyway, Becky Lynch... And Charlotte Flair, because they're a great tag team, versus the Buka- uh, Kabuki Warriors. The WWE War tag team titles of War Viking Raiders Experience versus Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, or the OC. Yeah, I think they've got an open challenge or something like that, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Braun Strowman's been injured, so I don't think the Intercontinental title match with Shinzuki fucking Nakamura is happening. WWE SmackDown ta- Tag Team Championship match is all up in the air because the New Day was going to be defending against Robert the Junkie Rude and Dolph <laughs> the Ziggler. Junkie. Uh, Randy Orton vs. AJ Styles might not happen because Randy Orton's shit. Drew McIntyre hasn't got a match on there because he's wrestling on main event. Don't say that. Seth Rollins is dealing with an injury as well. I think he broke his little pinky. So versus Kevin Owens might not happen. And Buddy Murphy is going to lose to Ali B, my man. We don't know. So, those are the predictions. We have got some predictions that we will do. And, of course, we'll have a match choice and we'll, we'll decide now. So, let's move on to TLC. Okay, so we move on to TLC. And, of course, we do the prediction leagues. Dan, do you want to explain prediction league for anybody that's never listened to the WNR podcast? Uh, yes, we have uh, three prediction leagues. We've got WWE pay-per-views, NXT pay-per-views and bonus points as well. Um, we predict the results on WWE or NXT matches and we get points that accumulate towards the end of the year as do the bonus points. And um, the loser is playing for a chance to win a Matt Riddle t-shirt to have to wear at the winner's choice. Yeah, ain't going to happen to me, bro. Ain't going to happen to me. Uh, but we are going to do what we do with Hell in a Cell because WWE don't give a shit about their fucking pay-per-views. So why should we? We are just going to pick one match, and I think the one match that makes the most sense about watching is Buddy Murphy versus Alistair Black, seeing as they're both our respective guys going at it at a pay-per-view, which is a great thing at TLC to have them both going off. Uh, at the moment, it's 9-7 pay-per-view points, so it is really, really tight, uh, but we're going to get to it now, and we started off, well, we had the kickoff show, didn't we? And that was Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade. Uh, my three eleven boy, yes, he um he came up short unfortunately, um and Andrade charged, nearly collided with his manager Zelina Vega, as he did uh, on Raw as well. He avoided it, did not evade the top rope reverse Rana or a moonsault though, and uh, Carrillo got the one two three. Yeah, and I mean with Carrillo, we didn't um go for the kickoff match, so there was no point scored. For that one. Is this the end of Selena Vega and Andrade, do you reckon? Because Selena Vega has cost Andrade a couple of times now. Um, She has, yes. Will she be managing her actual 
partner, um, Ali B. Yeah, or maybe we saw a heel turn with Carrillo and maybe teaming up with him or maybe a Zelina face turn. It'd be interesting to see what they do with Van Jale because Zelina Vega has definitely helped him out. He would not be NXT champion now if it wasn't for Zelina Vega basically coming along NXT and helping him out. But we started the show proper with a ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. And it was a New Day versus the Revival. Prediction-wise, Dan, who have you gone for in this match? I went for the New Day. Yes, I did. And I, too, went New Day in that one. So uh, the SmackDown Tag Team titles were up for grabs in the night's first gimmick bout. as a ladder match featuring New Day's Kofi Kingston and Big E against the Revival Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder. Uh, the first big spot of the match saw Kingston deliver a springboard crossbody from the middle rope onto his opponents and a ladder, leaving the challengers in pain. Yeah, every time Revival attempted to gain an upper hand, New Day cut them off until Wilder and Dawson brought Biggie down off a ladder, awkwardly leaving the big man writhing in pain. The hills worked over Biggie until Kingston reappeared and sent the ladder seesaw into the faces of Wilder and Dawson. As Joe Mercury knows, that is a very dangerous move. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. Uh, Kingston wiped out Dawson, dropped Wilder with a trouble in paradise. Reminding fans of the creativity he brings to these gimmick bouts and why they helped make him a WWE champion. His momentum was short-lived, though, as the Revival recovered the ladder with a shat machine. Biggie re-entered the match and delivered a spear through the ropes that sent Wilder crashing to the floor. Well, uh, the big man of the champions then sent, uh, spent several moments setting up a ladder contraption in the ring. He dropped jo- Dawson face-first onto a ladder, bridging the corner on another ladder. Dawson fought back, though, and delivered a suplex to Biggie on the ladder. Wilder followed up with a splash that drove him through said ladder. And the Revival looked posed to retrieve the titles when Kingston springboarded onto one of the ladders and slugged away at the opposition. Well, Big E fought back uh, into the match, delivered a big ending off the ladder to Wilder as the crowd came alive. Kingston used the tag titles to blast Dawson and retrieve them to secure the victory. Yeah, so that means we both get a point to start off TLC. And, I mean, we talk about the match itself. You know, if uh, you had New Day and Revival still in the show, you've probably watched wrestling before. This was a great contest for the four men that really, really bought it in this one. Uh, so the first match is a point all for us, and uh, oh, uh, we would do match rating for it as well. Actually, well, I, I would here. actually just like to say that um, Dash and Dawson did have a confrontation with Booker T during the kickoff show, which featured the Hills challenging him to reunite Harlem Heat and fight them. Do you reckon that could take place? I mean, um, it is in Houston, Texas, where Booker T and Stevie Ray are from, and Stevie Ray actually tweeted out a response to that, saying, "Look, you know, we're, we're not hard to find us." But do we really want the Revival jobbing out to the Harlem Heat at the Royal Rumble, much like the New Age Outlaws were beating the Usos for the tag team titles about four or five years ago? For a one-off fine, the Revival need to be treated better. What we've seen with them, match quality-wise, they are fantastic. We've seen it in NXT for the past two or three years. Any tag team, to me, personally, rather than seeing them go against Harlem Heat, I'd much rather see them going against people like the Young Bucks and uh, pr- pr- you know, proud and powerful in AEW, because that division will be. I gave that a four and a quarter out of five. Um, I gave that a four and a quarter, two out of five. I thought it was a very good, entertaining match. Didn't really kind of slow the pace. And up next is the match we are going to watch, and uh, it's Buddy Murphy, my man, versus Dan's man, Alistair Black. I think I put the back I get The entrances just get better and better. Prediction-wise in this one... Dan, I have gone, and you're gonna you're gonna be surprised. I've gone, buddy, fucking Murphy in this match, man. Well, is it a secret that's finally gonna be told? I have gone for my man, Ali B. Yeah, so we're gonna see if match any good. And look at that already, 
Buddy Murphy sitting in the middle of the ring and Alistair Black just springs over because, of course, he sits where he wants. Let's not forget about that. He does, yes. And he's facing off with Buddy Murphy. But Murphy, that's what I like about him. He, he doesn't seem phased. He's not that fussed. You know, Black comes in, he, all this kind of mystique and this kind of weird look. And Murphy is not worried. You talk about the best-kept secret, 205 Live or SmackDown, and now, of course, Monday Night Raw. Oh! Wow, and uh, Murphy nearly ate a black mass kick to start the match off with. And Buddy Murphy won't be, you know, that worried about Ali B. You know he's probably got the speed advantage over him, and maybe even a little bit of power as well. I think Murphy is a little bit uh, a bigger built. And look at these two men already in the early going. Having a very quick exchange going into pinning attempts. Both using their heads to nip up to their feet. And what is it about Alistair Black that makes him so, so special? I mean, people in the W may not have seen a lot of him. Um, I, I just, you know, find the whole kind of way he does things absolutely brilliant. You know, he's uh, he's quite a quiet fellow. You know, I like his little sitting down gimmick. I do like his use of feet as well. His tattoos are absolutely awesome. Um, it's You know, it's just everything that comes into it as well. You know, he's he may not be the best mic worker, but, you know, his kind of persona doesn't need that. Yeah. So, you know, he's kind of like a modern-day version of The Undertaker. In, in a way, I mean, there's definitely kind of potential for that. I think what I like about uh, Black as well is the kind of, you know, the way he sits, and that kind of gives a chance for other wrestlers to come in and play off him a little bit. We saw a fantastic series of Velveteen Dream with Alistair Black where these two face to face, and the story was about what was going on in the match, and it's exactly the same with this, with Black just, you know, quite, you know, very, very confident, is it quietly confident as it was, and Murphy just trying to face him off. As Murphy now pushes Black into the corner, and Black managing to turn momentum. Murphy clean break and a slap to the face. Caught with a nice knee there. Alistair wasn't expecting that. Oh, but Buddy Murphy wasn't expecting that. A lovely arm drag takedown, and Ali B just working over the arm. Of- this is when you need all the points you need at this point, even though you can't win pay views. And what, you know, only a one point swing doesn't make that much difference towards the end. Of course, we get two points for the, the league win, but still, after everything we've got for year end predictions coming up. As Buddy Murphy there. I mean, and what a great couple of weeks we've got coming up as well. We've got the Christmas special coming out in just a few days. And, of course, year-end where we do the prediction at the end of the year. And oh. Murphy does not want to be doing that. Well, he just caught a huge <laughs> kick to the chest. But Murphy's still trying to fight back, but gets another kick to the chest. And Murphy's got to be careful because we saw in the early going with the Black Mass how dangerous that is. It can be over just like that. And Black looking around the crowd. Not really into it at the moment, which is a little bit of a shame. Back with a back elbow to the jaw, though. Murphy comes charging in, gets deposited over the top run, but gets his legs swept from underneath him. Back first on the mat. And now what's Alistair Black going to try and do? He's on the apron. And Murphy's in a little bit of trouble near the ring steps. But maybe he was drawing Alistair Black in. Grabs the leg, sends him into the ring post. And then just dives off the stairs, sending Alistair Black head first into him. And that was a great move by Bunny Murphy. And it might have busted Alistair Black wide open. That was a heavy impact ring post and stairs. And this is the first time we've seen Black maybe bleed in WWE. Like I said, for someone like a Undertaker-type figure, Murphy, if he can break down one of those barriers and actually hurt Alistair Black, regardless of the victory we saw at Velveteen Dream, you can gain Black's respect. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's kind of, uh, you know, worth just as much as a victory over him. And Buddy Murphy on paper, there's no doubt he can definitely... Back it up, and he's going against uh, one of the best in Alistair Black. And now just going to come in and trying to slow it down. But we know Alistair Black how much punishment he can take during his NXT days. Well, the ref does have the blue gloves on there to uh, signify that there has been blood spilt 
It might be internal bleeding for Ali B, though. That's how bad it is. He's coming out of his nose. And Murphy, so he's knocking on the door of Alistair Black. But he doesn't want to get too cocky. This is what Black does well. He draws the opponents in, so they think they got the advantage, and all of a sudden... Bang, up on the shoulders. But no, Murphy, wise to it, fighting out. He's got the arms, trying to get the guillotine, but Alistair Black is actually blocking it, getting the arm. And now Murphy just puts the arm underneath his leg. It just sits down. So every time he hits Ali B, another lot of blood spills out of his nose. It must be difficult for Alistair Black just to be able to breathe at this moment in time, especially with Murphy pushing down on him. And Murphy is quietly confident. They've both got similar hair and beard styles, haven't they? I think they're both quite similar in a weird way of kind of the, what they can do in ring. You know, their moveset, even though Black's got obviously got the advantage of kicks, Murphy likes the knees, both men can fly around. Both, I think, quite technical. I think Black might have the advantage there with that. Yeah. Even though it's crazy to think one of these guys, you know, was NXT champion, the other one was a Cruiserweight champion. <laughs> the Cruiserweight champion is actually bigger than the former NXT champion. Well, Murphy sent Ali B over the top rope and bouncing his head off the announce table, where Samoa Joe is actually on comms. Yeah, I mean, and he's been great on Raw as well, and it's it's a credit to Joe. Hopefully they can build a storyline towards that rather than Mammoth as an announcer. Oh, well, Buddy Murphy, he should be uh, focusing on his opponent, but he's focused on his jacket. Oh, come on, Buddy, this is this is a huge mistake. And if Alistair Black sees this, it would be like a red rag to a ball. Well, Ali B has seen it. And he looks pissed off as he gets his jacket thrown at him. Black kicking Murphy as he came charging towards him. Teeing off on his head. Irish whip. But Murphy catches him with a sleeper. Black backs him into a corner. Murphy realises he wants to keep Alistair Black close. Try and keep him out of range. That was a nice boot. Murphy on the second rope now. Oh, oh but gets caught with a boot to the face. Well, Alistair Black's just taking his time to recover as opposed to uh, focusing on hurting his opponent anymore. And the problem, Alistair Black, looks like he has broke, maybe broken his nose. So he's trying to struggle along, trying to get that. Trying to, his equilibrium probably all knocked off at this moment in time as well. But Murphy needs to take the advantage, you know. He needs to be on Alistair Black. You can't, anybody that we've seen beat Alistair Black, and that's a very few, uh, you know, list of people, has taken it straight to him, not let him get back into it. And as we're seeing now... Well, I think that's where Murphy's kind of come unstuck because he didn't take it straight to Ali B, you know, when he had the upper hand. He was more focused on humiliating Alistair Black than finishing him off and then humiliating him after the match. This is the thing, and this is what we've seen with a lot of heels in WWE. Hopefully, Murphy doesn't go the same as Murphy was trading with Black. And then, I think, <laughs> I would say, I think Black got the advantage. He definitely got Black the advantage. definitely got the advantage. Follows it up with a running knee to the jaw. Well, there's no doubt Alistair Black is popular as well, the fans. It's just getting to know him more and learning something about him, you know, a bit like uh, with Buddy Murphy. We know Buddy Murphy a couple of taller then after the kick to the face. Well, spins round the opposite direction with a knee to the face. Springboard, moonsault, into the cover. One, two. Go on, oh. Murphy. Buddy Murphy managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And now Alice Black just going to take his... Uh, not take his time. He's, he's, he's thinking he's got the plan ahead. And he is trying to recover as well. <laughs> well, I've not... Across the bridge of his nose. Oh, my fucking days. It does look like his nose has been busted open. And that's just credit to Murphy. It might be the end now, though. As he picks up Buddy Murphy with his foot, but Murphy trying to shake it off, holding on to it, but gets caught with a back elbow and just knocked out of the ring. Maybe that's the best thing for Murphy, but he manages to hold on and land on the edge of the apron. And now this is dangerous between Black and Murphy. How's the Black looking at the uh, the wafer of thin mats below? I mean, how thin are those mats they're looking at there? Uh, just mere millimetres thick, oh. thicker than the RPW ones. <laughs> yeah, and now Black. Which were non-existent. He's going to look, try and put Murphy away. But Murphy managing to fight out, kick to the face. 
Well, Murphy got the advantage on the outside last time, looking for this time, but gets sent spine first into that ring post. And now here comes the black. Oh, Mainsaw off the second to the outside. And he throws Murphy back in. Kick and Murphy bounces off the ropes, right into a huge knee. Martin knocked him out. This could be it. No, Murphy gets the shoulder off at two. Two. My man, Buddy Murphy, still in this one. That was a huge impact. I mean, and we think we talk about Buddy Murphy selling. It's definitely improved, as we can we can see, you know, just this match in the past couple of months. And also, I like the way he sells. I like the way, he, you know, like the kind of rag doll, so to speak, of uh, when Murphy gets hit, which I don't want to be seeing. Uh-oh, and now Black trying to put away. Murphy rolls through. Oh, big boot to the midsection. Sends Murphy back up into the corner. Now getting placed on a top turnbuckle. And now Duplex Murphy's fighting with all he's got. He knows this could be the end. Oh, what a lovely step up into Gurry. Now Black makes it look easy the way he can hit them strikes. And now Murphy in all sorts of trouble. Still trying to fight off to his credit. Manages to do so. No, he's trying to go over Sunset Flip, but Black holding on to that rope. Oh, Murphy placing his head against a tap. And just delivering a super kick, leaving uh, <laughs> Ali B prone there. And can Murphy take advantage of another... Well, I say another super kick, multiple super kicks to the face. And now running powerbomb. Sits out into the cover. Two. Two. No. Oh. Ali B managing to kick out. Ah. Uh-huh. Well, there's no doubt Buddy Murphy is leaving it all in the ring at this moment in time. Now Murphy's wondering what it's going to take. To put Alistair Black down on, mate, it might be Murphy's Law in this one to get the job done. Uh, but he does want to be mocking Black, but he's got hold of the arm. He's got hold of the arms, and now Black's got nowhere to go. He's just going to stomp away at the face, is he? No, just a knee, but Ali B catches the foot. Oh, and that is brilliant by Buddy Murphy trying to work the nose. Back elbow Super by Super kick. Black. Jumping knee, second knee. Oh. Brain buster by Murphy. He might have this. To, no, I told you. No, oh. no. I told Murphy. Have we ever seen Alistair Black look this banged up? We haven't. I mean, he's been in war games and he's not been as fucked up as what Buddy Murphy, my man, is doing to him right now. This is a breakout performance by both men here. And what is Buddy Murphy? He's frustrated. And Black having to use the ropes to drag himself up. Murphy can't believe the toughness of Alistair Black, but I think there's no doubt in it there. His nose is bent out of shape in more ways than one. And Murphy now, corner to corner, both men facing each other off like James versus Dan in predictions. Both men, opposing corners, going to come at each other. Well, Black goes low, gets jumped over by Murphy. Ali B doing a few shots of his own, but getting blocked. Murphy delivering a few. Ali B getting a spinning heel kick, black Black mass kick. Boom. And just like that. Not like that. Just like that. Just like that. Um, Uh, Ali B goes to sit him back where he likes. Well, what a great match. Dan, what are your thoughts? I thought it was an absolutely brilliant match. Again, you know, it's um, you could tell there was uh, a lot of personal stuff to it. It's the one he was knocking on Ali B's door, running away, and then finally, you know, kind of stood up to the match. Um, does he deserve Ali, uh, Ali B's respect? I think without doubt. I think, you know, uh, you've not been the... Uh, You've been quite a harsh critic of Buddy Murphy, and I think there, he's a lot of things that he's been doing wrong came right in this one. And to go up against, you know, one-on-one with Black, competitive match, he didn't look out of place in this one, I don't think. Out of place, again, you know, his selling, I think he could stay down for a, a second or two longer because, you know, with everything, Buddy Murphy always seems to be fighting out. And, you know, and it's and it's moves and hits that put other people down for longer. You know, it's it's 
not taken away from the talent that bloke possesses because he does. Yeah, but it's even like it's just getting hit with a black mass kick and the way he sells it, you know, money people would just go straight down and he kind of got a little flourish to it as he drops down. Yes, it's in defeat, which is a shame. No, but... it's in the face. <laughs> but Alistair Black should have a strong 2020 and I think Buddy Murphy has earned respect there. Uh, great match, though. What are you going to give that out of five, do you reckon? Um, I'm going to give that a four and a half out of five. I thought it was an absolute brilliant match and again... Um... You know, another small critique of Buddy Murphy. He's he's very entertaining. He's brilliant in the ring, but he just doesn't have that it thing about him. I I would agree, and I and not to just let's talk about critique. I think with Black as well, he needs to be careful that he needs to grow a little bit of not personality as such, but a little bit more. You can be a dark brooding character, but you'll need to kind of do sank about it soon find out a little bit more about it do you think a manager or manageress would suit Ali B a manager a, a mouthpiece manager I think a mouthpiece manager because then you can even just black can just go about his business you know uh, it, it's, it's really cool but it, the thing is is that we, we want to learn it's like Buddy Murphy and black they've been in the, you know in the main roster now for six months to a year have we learned anything else about them and it's not just those two guys. It's a lot of W wrestlers. We're not getting any development with them, which is a bit of a shame, really. But uh, a great match, and we move on to our next one. Uh, it was the Raw Tag Team Championship match. It was the War Viking Raiders experience going against the OC of Khan, Luke Gallows. Now, it was the open challenge beforehand. Who did you go for in your open challenge? You, did, you left a blank. I went Ganderson in it. Um, but I don't need... I don't need a bonus point, so I'm fine. We knew it was going to be Ganson anyway because we've seen it beforehand. Um, you know, in in this match, did did we really need this match here? I mean, the Viking Raiders have done a lot, haven't they? You know, uh, I say done a lot. The Viking Raiders haven't done a lot. They've been against jobbers. And then with the OC, um, we thought it was going to be a good fight. Then the fight spilled to the floor where Anderson sent Eric into the stands. The referee made the count. Fortunately, neither team was to answer, and it was a 10-count official LaBelle. At a gimmick pay-per-view, at a TLC match, to have something go count-out is a travesty, isn't it, you know? It is an absolute travesty, but it is, it's something that you don't see that often to protect both parties involved, I suppose. Uh, but, um, yeah, I went for the Viking Raiders. Yeah, I went Viking Raiders as well. Uh, Prediction-wise, after three matches then, it means it is... Um, you got three for three at the moment? Um... You are free. You're free. Free new day. Yeah, I'm on for a perfect score. So yeah. the bonus point would help me out a lot here. Yeah, it would free two. Um, but again, really disappointing way to have it. You know. Uh, up next, we have the TLC tables, lads, and chairs match: Roman Reigns versus uh, Baron Corbin. Uh, Corbin surrounded himself with wall security. Roman Reigns made his way to the ring for the TLC match. Only to watch as the big dog systematically picked each one apart. The big dog then caught a Russian Corbin with a big right hand and proceeded to pummel him through the arena and back to ringside. Well, finally back in the ring, Corbin turned the tide in his favour with a deep six. He dropped Reigns again with a big clothesline for a near fall. Uh, King Corbin continued beating him down at ringside with ladders to the ribs, following up with chair shots and, you know, just beating down the midsection of Reigns. Well, he attempt, Reigns attempted to come back, but um, Corbin delivered a chokeslam backbreaker to his momentum. The fans remained behind the big dog, though, and cheered him back into the match, saying that they weren't doing a year and a half ago. He retrieved the table for ringside, set it up an inside square circle, where Corbin rolled to the sanctuary of the floor. Well, as Reigns attempted to back, blasted him with a can of dog food, and I've been uh, 
I've been hit with cans. It wasn't dog food. It was actually a can of Heinz baked beans. Straight to the side of the head. I've still got a, a, a dent actually in my head. And then chokeslammed him through a table for a near fall. Well, frustrated Corbin cleared off two announce tables. He teased the powerbomb from one through the other. But Reigns grabbed hold of him and dropped him through the other with a Samoan drop. Uh, Reigns then took off around the ring for a huge spear to Corbin. But ate a super kick from Dolph Ziggler instead. And a show off and Corbin retrieved handcuffs and a can of dog food from under the ring. But ate a huge drive-by from the babyface. Reigns unloaded on security with a kendo stick. Teeing off like Minnesota Twins. According to Michael Cole, the revival cut him off as the latest of the King's forces to make their presence felt. Well, Reigns fought them all off, deposited them at ringside and took off through the air and wiped them out. Set Corbin up for a spear, but Ziggler came uh, from the ringside, blasted Roman Reigns with a chair, then dropped him with a zigzag. Um, the revival also hit a shatter machine. Corbin followed with an end of days onto a steel chair for the victory. Yeah, and a chorus of booze to go along with it, but... I mean, this match is annoying because, like you said, should it really be taking a place? But what is positive about it is the reactions. The the face in Roman Reigns was getting cheered. The hill when Corbin was getting booed. Is it down to how hated Corbin is that he actually generally gets booed? Or is Reigns turned the corner now where the fans kind of respect him like they've been one, you know, like every good face should do and they finally bring it into it? This could have been a disaster, but the reactions themselves was really good. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, the only saving grace in the match that... We we really hope ends this series between Reigns and Corbin, but it, we we know it's not going to end yeah. until Reigns gets the inevitable victory. It's yeah over Corbin. It's against all odds, isn't it? He has to fight off loads of people. It's just a shame Roman Reigns hasn't got any friends. You know, likely Usos aren't doing anything at the moment. Um, what was your match rating for that? Um, I gave that a three and a half. I do go at three and a half. Basic, what's said on tin. Viking Raiders experience beforehand. Well, it says on the uh, dog food tin. <laughs> yeah, looks at the dog food tin. The Viking Raiders match before was just a standard free. It fully rated less, but I don't really, you know, want that. Prediction-wise, Reigns and Corbin, who did you go for? I've, I think we both went Roman Reigns, didn't we? I went for Roman Reigns, yes. Yes, I went Roman Reigns as well. That one. And uh, Reigns, yeah, did unfortunately come up short. And then our next match was the Universal Championship match of Miz versus Bray Wyatt. Yes, um, The Fiend was having a night off. Uh, before we get into the match, I went for Bray Wyatt. I went for the Fiend. Fiend. Do I still get a point for that? No, it's a different <laughs> person. <laughs> to be fair, I need all the points we can. Um, we Neither of us scored a point after the last match. It's still 3-2. What happened in this one? Uh, well, as we know, Bray made his first appearance in uh, as Bray Wyatt for, for ages. Does that kind of make you think, fuck me, the Miz must be shit then if he's not even bringing out the theme for him? It was weird because the way he came out was proper Firefly Funhouse as well as he kind of laughing and joking, holding his title about going to your announce table and looking at everybody. And it sounded like, yeah, are they going to try and do it? They've not really done it with kind of dual personalities, but it looks like maybe that's the kind of way they're going to go with uh, Bray White. Is it a good idea to do that? Because it's a fiend, too much of the fiend might be too much, so we can have Bray... In this way, yeah, it might look his opponent's weak, but... Yeah, but then you could say, well, it's what Bray Wyatt does. I mean, you know, you could see Bray Wyatt... Uh, sorry, Finn Balor does. Mm. You could see Bray Wyatt getting defeated, but then the Fiend's coming out and... The the only problem with that is... Well, I say not a problem. You don't want to see the Demon all the time. And with the Fiend, if they give you this option, maybe that's what they're saying. You won't see the Fiend 
all the time, but I'm sure he'll show up sooner rather than later. Uh, but the Miz came down and he was full of piss and vinegar, I tell you that. He actually looked ready for action. He attacked um, from the opening bell, shrugging off Wyatt's attempt to calm him down and laying into the rights, left, knees and big boots in the corner. Wyatt several more kicks and seemed almost hesitant to fight the A-lister under his fun, friendly persona. But then he did show flashes of the fiend, but Miz fought for it, delivered a skull-crushing finale. From there, he pulled, tweaked, punished and manipulated the joints of the champion. Wyatt rolled outside and purposely rammed his own shoulder into the guard rail as chance of let him in spilled from the stands. Well, Miz beat his opponent around the ringside area, but Wyatt dropped him with his sister, Abigail. Yes, a compassionate Wyatt asked Miz to stop before putting him out of his misery with a second sister, Abigail, for the victory. Yeah, so again, the Miz did come across looking really weak. Match-wise, I'm going to give that three and a half out of five. Um, I'm going to give that a three and a half out of five. It's good to see the other side of Bray Wyatt, but... You know, it, it did just make the Miz look like a complete dick. Yeah, I know. And then it was... He does a good enough job of that. Of well, exactly. And then it was 4-3 after that. 4-3 uh, prediction-wise for this. But that wasn't over, was it? You know? um, absolutely. Not, no, after the match, the, the Fiends appeared on the screen and Wyatt said, OK, I'll do it. Uh, from under the ring, he retrieved an oversized... ...had in a cell. Before he could use it on the Miz, the lights dimmed and Daniel Bryan appeared. He delivered a running knee to Wyatt to chance of yes from the crowd. Yeah, I mean, the former WWE champion revealed a new, less scruffy look at the crowd chanting his name. He unloaded on Wyatt, delivered a series of running knees and left the Universal Champion reeling. Uh, the babyface relentlessly stomped on Wyatt and grabbed hold of the mallet before he could strike him. The lights again dimmed and the champion disappeared. And then Brian stared at the Universal start to close out their segment. I mean, if you went into this match thinking it was going to be a technical masterpiece, it wasn't. This was a setup to the Royal Rumble match, but still... Good stuff. Daniel Bryan, though, looks exactly the same, doesn't he, as he did 10 years ago? There is no difference. He does, yeah. He actually looks a lot younger without his beard and long hair, James. Not, I am not getting rid of it for anybody. That is Daniel Bryan, uh, and it was good to see him back, and obviously we're going to go like that for all the Royal Rumble. All right, next match, tables match. It was Rusev versus Bobby Lashley. In the sight of being Lana's affair with Bobby Lashley, Rusev's quest for vengeance culminated in a tables match. Yes, the Bulgarian brute was ferocious to start, attacking Lashley and unleashing weeks of pent-up rage on the Almighty. The Hill survived the early onslaught, though, and downed Rusev before introducing a table to the squared circle. But before we... Yeah, yeah, we always get to that. Prediction-wise, in this one, I have gone for Rusev Machlaka. Rusev Hakaka. I have gone, too, for Rusev to crash. Um, well, Lashley worked the ribs of his opponent as Samoa Joe discussed the wasted time that played the Hills' attempt to win the match. We've seen it so many times in WWE. The superstars exchanged rights and lefts, each teasing a big table spot, but neither doing enough to put the other way. Well, with Lashley reeling, Rusev delivered a shot to the sti- uh, with the steel steps. He introduced a guard rail, but Lashley fought back and sent Rusev crashing into it with a dirty powerbomb. Lashley unloaded on Rusev's back with kendo stick while Lana laughed at a former husband with welts forming on his back. Rusev blocked a cane shot, caught Lashley one of his own, frying up, he wore the almighty out with the cane. Well, Lana jumped on the babyface's back and Lashley capitalises, badly botching a spear through one table before tossing him with an overhead suplex for another for the victory. Yeah, I mean, the effort was there, but, um, you know, Rusev and Lashley did not deliver. Uh, the storyline itself is a mess and the match actually turned out to be a bit of a mess as well. I'm going to give that a three out of five. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm three and it doesn't even deserve that, to be honest. No matter, and it means four three in prediction points still. So with our last match, the main event, the TLC match for the Women's Championship, it could be all on the line. Dan, who have you gone for in this match? Well, I'm guaranteed a point anyway, but I have gone for the Bukaki Warriors. 
and I too have gone Bukaki Warriors, which means you win the pay per view and it goes. I win the last pay per view of the year. Did yeah. I win Rumble as well, the first? No, I smash oh, it, Rumble. Oh. You've won the last four, though, so credit to you. You've caught up. It's 9 8 overall in ratings. But what about the match itself? Well, the United Front of the Women's Tag Team Champions, the Bukaki Warriors, forced friends turned enemies turned friends again, I suppose. Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch to set aside their differences in the pursuit of revenge, finality, and gold. Well, the challenges took the fight to the champions, avenging weeks of torment and frustrations at the hand of Oscar and Kyrie Sane. Well, the Empress of Tomorrow cut off the babyface's onslaught, but soon found herself sent face first into the ring post. Sane's attempt to send chairs raining into the ring failed miserably, leading to Flair and Lynch chasing her under the ring. Well, it backfired as the Hills teamed up to drop Lynch headfirst onto the steel chairs. From there, they placed the Queen in a desk chair and trapped her with a kendo stick. From there, they wore her out with kicks before dumping her over. Well, the champions tied Lynch to a ladder with a cargo rope, essentially eliminating her from the bout. Then they scoured the ladder looking to retrieve their prize, but Flair re-emerged and unloaded with a kendo stick shots. Oscar and Sane recovered and beat the Queen down at ringside and sent her into the steel steps. But the Pirate Princess tried for the insane hour but caught the knees of Lynch who fought through the ropes. She joined Flair in a major ass-kicking major major ass kicking of the hills in a spirited comeback. Well, Lynch threw caution to the wind, dropping a leg from the middle rope onto Oscar and threw a table at ringside. The baby faces tried for a double suplex to Sane for a table, but the 2017 May Young Classic winner countered with a DDT. Followed up with an insane elbow to the man that failed to break the table. Flair returned the favour, delivering a powerbomb to Sane for a different table. Well, the Hills again wrestled control of the match and set up an extra tall ladder in him while Lynch and Flair laid in a heap at ringside. The Bayface capitalised on a delay and fought back into the match, but it was for naught as Oscar powerbomb Flair through a table, leaving the man to fend for herself. Well, Lynch climbed towards the titles, but Oscar used the rope that had been tied around the Raw Women's Champion to tip the ladder and eliminate her from the contest. The Empress of Tomorrow retrieved the titles, making it two years in a row that Oscar has stood tall with gold to end the show. Yeah, damn right. However, it wasn't quite at the end as a massive ball spilled into arena ended with Roman Reigns spearing King Corbin onto a mass of competitors. Way to take away from the uh, the women's main event by having Reigns and Corbin well, storyline. Oscar doesn't, you know... When she does things and wins, she does, you know, because you had um, to start the year off, she won the Rumble and got overshadowed by um, Ronda Rousey. That was last year. Oh, to start last year off, yeah. then, sorry. Um, she she won the Rumble, but that got overshadowed by the debut of Ronda Rousey. And then to end, like, you know, the year, she won the match, but... Yeah, but it's weird. Uh, Becky Lynch started off the year, first match against Oscar... Main of uh, started off Royal Rumble card, the first match of the year. Last match year, Oscar and Becky Lynch involved in a tag team match. But this was messy. This was ugly. Who involved? Again, it wasn't the best. Um, I'm going to give that a three out of five. I can't believe I'm giving them. I'm going to give it a three and a quarter out of five. You know, it, they don't need to do these spots. These are four very talented women. They could have just had a normal tag match, and it would have been ten times better than that. Yeah, without a doubt. But that's it, Dan. You win the predictions for TLC 5-4. Like I said, 9-8 now uh, with the pay-per-views. Uh, what are your final thoughts on TLC? Um, what was your score out of 10? Out of 10, I'm going to give it a 7.5. There was a few good moments, but I think, you know, it's the kind of problem with WWE. They're focusing on the... Lashley Rusev story, they're focusing on the Corbin Reign story. They need to put them to bed. Um, the Viking Raiders need a legitimate challenger for the tag team titles. I know the OC are a very good tag team, but they need to start running through competition, otherwise their run is going to get very boring easily. 
this is a pay-per-view that if you missed it, you wouldn't have missed a single thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a problem. And until WWE starts caring about their actual pay-per-views, then, you know what I mean, everybody else will. It's a network now. You can just do a special rather than having a so-called pay-per-view event. Yeah, I'm going to give it a seven and three quarters out of ten. Okay, so that is it. Our next episode will be the WNR fifth annual WNR Awards. I cannot wait for that. And then, of course, just a few days later. My bad. I've I've got a completely different out. I thought it said fifth anal Christmas <laughs> special. No, no, I've, no. I've, I've got a whole bag of toys. That you I've got better to send put. Back. It, is that why it's vibrating in the corner? Put it yes. away. Put it away. It's not now. a bomb. That's not. Uh, yeah, like I say, it's our Christmas special. We do it every year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Dan. Isn't it, our Christmas special? It is absolutely magical. We've got the the butlers up there. He's stocking our our cottage, Christmas cottage, with uh, all sorts of festive treats, wines. I've gone out and I've got biggest bird ever. And I've got turkey as well. Yeah, you have. Uh, so that is it. The fifth annual WNR Wars that we're going to bring to you. All the wars like the Johnny Gargano War for Punishment taken in the match. Rest of the year. Pay-per-view of the year. Everything that's... James. Go on. RKO of the year RK- as well. That's what I say. Everything that the normal, you know, normal wrestlers do. Plus all the stuff that the WNR do. And of course, we'll have year-end show as well. Believe it or not, towards the end of the year, probably 28th or 29th, uh, and we'll find out who gets the Matt Riddle t-shirt. Yes, and um, just going on from the uh, from the TLC pay-per-view. No, we didn't, no. Um, well, John Cena, ever since his debut in 2002, he has wrestled at least one pay-per-view a year. At least two. And this year, for the first time ever, He's not wrestled a pay-per-view, so his streak has ended after, what, 16 years? Yeah, 16, yeah. So, I mean, it's a shame that it's happened for him. But, I mean, it's, we talk about Chainsley not being part of WWE anymore. Back in the old days, we would have sat through three and a half hours of WWE stuff to watch Team Seal, TLC, when it wasn't worth it. And instead, we got to see Joey Ryan. I think that is the main thing on here. It's a British, British special slash TLC we saw Joey Ryan, we've done TFC, like I said, the only thing left is the 5th Annual WNR Awards. But until then, I have been James Jones. Don't forget, you can follow us. I nearly did the end then without doing all the links. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. We've got all the pictures, all the videos, everything about IPW is going to be available. We're on Twitter, at WWNetworkView, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins, of course, liked by Joey Ryan, and of course, across the Google platforms, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com, or on Instagram, we've got all the pictures going up there as well, the WNR Podcast. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook, come and find our page and give us a like with a WNR Podcast, or you can come and find me and add me as a friend, I am Vince McDan. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube Ryan clip up there as well, the WNR Podcast on YouTube. We've got other stuff as well, Ricochet, Will Ospreay, all the kind of stuff that we've seen, NXT uh, in 2016, loads of, of great clips on YouTube. And, of course, uh, podcasts go at the same time on YouTube. There are other places like SoundCloud. Oh, on your phone. And, of course, we've got live shows on Spreaker Radio coming in the new year. Stitcher Radio and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. Like I say, our next two shows is what the WNR do. Banyol WNR Awards and then the year end. But until then, I have been James Rowlands. And, as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody. And God bless Joey Ryan. Bye. Bye. <laughs>